0: good morning everybody welcome to the matt townsend show i am your host dr matt townsend your coach your guide on the side welcome to the program three hours of information
1: education
0: and entertainment ish we're going we're going to call it entertainment because right when I said that Terry looked at me like really you're like overselling it oh no overselling it there's a lot to do today we've got a lot of great guests as well James is back uh, he probably can you talk James? Barely.
2: Just barely. Wow. I had a bout of the black lung over the weekend. <laughs> Did you have black lung? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Is it really as black as they say?
0: Uh, well, I looked in the mirror and it looked pretty black. You're like, what is that thing yeah. hanging out of my mouth? Black lung! Hey, um, welcome back. Thank you. If you could just not breathe... In this small confiner, I actually wanted
2: to use that little uh, that thing on your microphone. Yeah, little wind. Yeah, what do we call those wind?
0: Yeah, gross catchers. Um, On the microphone. So if we could switch, that'd be great. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Oh, okay. Well, well, we're glad you're back. You won't believe what we talked about yesterday. We said a lot about you. Oh no. Oh no. You might want to go listen to the show.
2: Yeah, I'll go to byuradio.org and listen to the show. Yeah,
0: look it up on the podcast. Yeah. Nice plug. (laughs) <laughs> we like to plug our show one way or another. Well, welcome back. We we were worried. I heard that you had tuberculosis. So really? Sean, Sean was telling everybody you had TB. Okay. Like wow. Thank but, you. Sean. But if it was black lung, I guess that's. I guess that's better.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know if it's if you really want to one up a sickness.
0: No, it's true. You don't want to like one up black lung or TB. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome back. Again, just. You know, don't breathe in this tiny little room. And uh, Terry's in the house. How are you, Terry? I'm having a day. Yes, you are. And yes. it's you. your day started today.
3: Yes. Good. Not, not sure if it's good or not. It's kind of early, so we'll let that kind of play out. It's very early. Check with me later. It might be good.
0: And um, you've been checking out the headlines for us?
3: I have. What have you found? Uh, the Obama administration yes. will permit the widespread export of armed drones
0: for the first time. The widespread export of drones.
3: A step towards providing allied nations from Italy to Turkey to our friends in the Persian
0: Gulf Hmm.
3: drones so they can, you know, drop bombs, too.
0: Wow. So this is the – I thought
3: we were already doing this. No, we have not. Well, what I read was that Great Britain has been the only country that we have sold drones to.
0: Really? So now we are going to start proliferating – Dronage.
3: Yes, apparently they are uh, eager to no. have such technology.
0: It seems like a lot of people are are not liking the United States because of our drones.
3: Exactly. So I don't know if you want to start exporting something people really don't like. Yeah. But it's. I mean, if you look at it, it's it's kind of a from the people of the point of view that they're being bombed. They're the ones that don't like it. Well, it's the sure. people not bo- getting sure. bombed that think it's kind of a good idea. Yeah, I
0: would bet that if you're on the yeah. bomb
3: side, <laughs> if you're catching the bomb, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So but I mean, if you're on the drone side, you're fine.
3: Now they do mention Italy, and I was reading yesterday uh, the Italian government's kind of on edge because of the activity in Libya. Yeah, yeah. which is 200 miles across the Mediterranean from there. Yeah, their that, tell me that so, wouldn't upset you a bit,
0: right? So they want
3: to have some extra.
0: So now, aromas. now Italy's going to get involved. See, that's the great thing about this: is the longer we wait, the more countries are getting involved in wanting to take on ISIS. Right. And it's not just us. It's a lot of work. Maybe we can pull back a little bit and let people take
3: care of their own neighborhood.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
3: That's the idea. But Unless we want to make money on drones. On that same note, officials from 60 nations are set to arrive in Washington D.C. this week for okay. President Obama's long-postponed three-day summit on combating violent, violent extremism.
0: Really, it's long-awaited. I've never really heard about now, it. No, he. Yeah, because he's kind of. A lot of people are frustrated because he doesn't ever really say extremism. Right. He never uses the term really, but apparently the White House is holding a 60 country party. Yes. To address uh, extremism. I read some other uh, elsewhere that they
3: informed members of the uh, State Department that will yeah. be involved on like the 11th of January. Oh, really? That you, need to, be, you need to be ready for a 60 nation summit. Good job. Go ahead. So it's wow. kind of late notice for. Yeah. No uh,
0: RSVPs? Like you didn't have to RSVP? I mean, that seems I, like short notice. I don't know. How do you get your whole entourage and country to a party just with about a month's notice huh? uh,
3: the wall street journal reports the u.s has decided to provide pickup trucks equipped with machine guns radios for calling in u.s airstrikes to some moderate syrian rebels uh, defense officials said but the scope of the bombings have not been worked out
0: so we are we again we're not putting boots on the ground we're not going to put our guys in right really but we're just going to provide trucks
3: and that, now it says use, not use, but it says, uh, what does it say, pickup trucks with machine guns. Are those the Toyotas that they're always driving around yeah. in on TV? Those are the, yeah. Do That's we, probably that. Do we just go to used car lots and mm-hmm. pick up some trucks? We did a and, show about
2: that. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, the, the plumbing
3: truck. There's That's a, <laughs> right. The plumbing <laughs> truck. I remember that. Yeah. The guy's like, wait a second. Is that Joe's plumbing?
0: <laughs> Why is that in Syria? Oh, my yeah. gosh. From Scranton? <laughs> <laughs> Pennsylvania? Anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, By the way, Obama, his job approval rates... Up to fifty percent. Right, gas prices are up. That's or down. Down. Me. See, but now they're going back up again. Right, so it's so, going to drop again.
3: It's going to drop. That's that's the perception of people. The mm-hmm. Washington Post reports hundreds of Ukrainian government forces began a chaotic retreat from a surrounded town in the east east of the country Wednesday. A major defeat with uncertain consequences for the future of the grinding 10-month-old conflict. Well, hold on. I thought we had a ceasefire. Oh, sure. But everyone still shoots at each other, and no one's withdrawn yeah. at all so like they're supposed to. it's almost ceasefire. And yesterday, Putin just, he goes, Those, uh, he hoped the Ukrainian government would allow their troops to put down their weapons so that no one would be harmed. <laughs> I'm like, you, you negotiated a ceasefire. Now you're just saying, you guys need to put your guns down. Come right? on. Putin, they can't trust. No. That guy... I was telling you about that one this morning. This is from uh, Bill Browder, who's CEO of Hermitage Capital Management. He was on CNN over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And he says the he was what, his company was once the largest foreign investor in Russia, so he has some knowledge yeah, of he's, their
0: finances. Put a lot of money in Russia. He estimates that Putin's net worth. The president Hold of on. Russia. President Putin of Russia has a net worth? That's what he's estimating. But he's in office. Exactly. Okay.
3: 200 billion dollars. Wow. I'm totally in the wrong business. That would make Putin more than twice as wealthy as Bill Gates, mm. who has a fortune of 7 or 79 billion. Who Put- is currently listed as the world's largest or richest man.
0: Putin's worth 200 billion.
3: Yeah, skimming off the top of
0: oil and other exports. I and mean, that's a country. lot more than the Clintons. A lot more. 150 million, weren't they? Worth so, yeah, interesting 200 billion dollars, but it just makes no sense because he's just been a government servant
3: but he's been accused of stealing money yeah. and he's embezzling socking it away and extorting he you know they they, they play there's some the, the government tries to show democracy but then they have constraints in the government and the bureaucracy to help out themselves oh. apparently is what this guy's Crazy. Uh, Bill town. Browder is saying about uh, he makes
0: Putin's like years. James's money. It's like it's like that caliber, don't you think, James?
2: Yeah, it's, we sound sounds like we're almost in the same pay grade.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're Paid. new. You're new. You're young to this.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're so, not Putin's age, but so I'm just like a step below that.
0: Yeah, or two, or two, <laughs> or, or you're a couple a few. steps
2: below, or several million. You need somebody like,
0: yeah, you need to have some. <laughs> Yeah, you need to have some. You need to go start a government, okay, or take over in a hostile way. Okay, that sounds good. Government. All right, and, and then just kind of take but you, my. But try to go find one of the ex superpowers because <laughs> they got to have money. Then take my cut off the top, right? Like you don't want to go grab Cuba right now. No. Give it a while.
3: Cuba needs some time to update their
2: 1950s-era car fleet that they're running around with. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ponder about which uh, superpower I'll, I'll take over.
3: In some more, I guess, national news. Yeah. Rand Paul. Oh, yeah. Set to announce his presidential run. According to the New York Times, he's going to do it on April 7th. That has to do with some... Federal reporting rules. And, really? Yeah. Um, it says the junior senator from Kentucky selected the date for his advantage raising funds toward his campaign 10 months before the Iowa caucuses, so keep mm. that on your calendar. Mm, I already got it. Paul must still figure out how he can run for both president and senator at the same time, because if you he loses yeah, that president, you, you want to keep Win your other one, job. one, you lose one. Come on. Something, at that, running for both violates Kentucky law.
0: Oh, they're already starting. So
3: he's got to figure out how to make that work so well. he can still become keep his job and well he's president.
0: really the first person that has announced the date that he will then officially run yes but it's like two oh, months no. away
3: well this is according to sources to the new york times so no one's made any announcement mm. people it's close.
0: like okay do i want everyone to know
3: that in about a month and a half i'm gonna i'm, I'm going to i'm going to start thinking about i'm gonna i'm yeah. actually probably gonna state that i'm running it's the whole exploratory committee thing yeah
0: they just drag it on. Drives me crazy. Well, good stuff. Way way to way to nail the headlines. Oh, and there's more. Oh, is there more? Should we come back For and
3: la- later in the?
0: So, if you want more headlines, stick with us because it's we've got nothing but a show full of headlines. We also um, there's a lot of small town mayors that are trying to attract some big big business, and uh, we wanted to invite one of them on the show today. Brookings Institute. Um, was cited in an article in the New York Times about uh, these small little hubs that are that are creating a pretty big impact by getting all the jobs, bringing technology to certain towns. We're going to be talking to one of the mayors of Draper City, Utah. Troy Walker is going to be joining us, talking about how he goes about uh, luring these big businesses. This is the Matt Townsend Show, back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, you know, we on the show, we talk a lot about just uh, the news and the impact of, of what's going on with the economy and business. We we constantly hear things like STEM, uh, you know, the educational approach for uh, the youth where we're trying to, to get them more basic knowledge um, in technology and in mathematics, things like that. We also have talked a lot about... Uh, Just the economy and the ability to move and to create jobs. We've had uh, experts on talking about how we can improve our own abilities to get jobs. One of the things I really wanted to focus on, though, is what's happening to a lot of small businesses um, across the country in the New Yorker magazine, I earlier I said it was the new york times it 's actually the New Yorker magazine. there was um, an article by the Brookings Institute where they 've been pulling um, certain uh, data to find out where are all of these companies going? where are these high tech firms starting to merge and converge and one of the areas where uh, they seem to be having a lot of success in luring people. And luring some of these companies like Adobe and Oracle and um, some of these high-tech firms is is here in Utah. And so I I thought, okay, what's going on here? How come... Utah is able to attract so many of these different types of businesses. And I, in this article, they actually mentioned the very city where I live. I live in a city called Draper, Draper, Utah. It's about 20 minutes from Salt Lake City. But in the last uh, about 20 years or so, the population has gone from 10,000 people to just over 45,000 people in just 20 years. And part of that is simply because we're starting to become a hub for these high-tech companies. And I and I asked a friend, uh, he happens to be the mayor of Draper. He's a, he's a big deal. His name is Troy K. Walker. He's the first-term mayor of Draper City, was sworn in on January 6th of 2014. Uh, he's been an attorney. He's been on the board for the Utah Transit Authority as well. He's also served as a liaison to the Draper Mayor's Youth Council, the Peer Court, Appeal, appeal Appeals Court. Uh, board, but he's, he's also very involved in the community, and I wanted to have him on the show to pick his brain. Troy Walker, Mayor Walker, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
1: How are you, Matt? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well.
0: Hey, uh, talk to me. What is the big deal? I mean, I know, and we talked on the show uh, yesterday with Representative Wilson about moving the, um, about moving the prison, Yes, and, and I know that's been part of your goal is to move the prison out so that you can get space for some of these high tech companies. Why are they so attracted to Utah and Draper?
1: You know, when I when I was interviewed in the New Yorker, the, the same very same question. And, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that that make make us attractive, not just Draper, but sort of that. You know, there, a lot of them are you know, referring to the Hobbit story and calling it Middle Earth. Right. <laughs> right.
4: And, you know that
1: that area there um, between you know really just north of uh, Orem and and you know kind of yeah. in the middle of Draper. And you know I think there's a lot of things that make us attractive. Um you know frankly we have we have really good leadership in the, in the governor's office. Um you know we have a governor that uh that champions economic development and he goes after you know with his with his go at office um, they're actively looking for for businesses and trying to convince them that Utah's the right place to locate. right. so we, we have that kind of coming from the top. Um, we've had We've had good governors in the past, you know before Governor Herbert, Governor Huntsman. Um, Governor Huntsman really you know kind of spearheaded this prison idea, you know, if you'll remember a few right. years back, and um, you know it wasn't quite it's time then, but I, I think it now is its time. And so we, we have that, and we have our legislature, which you know you know they, they do an excellent job of making sure our budget's balanced. Um, we have a favorable tax structure, and um, and then probably the third thing is that, um, or maybe the, the third thing is that it's a great place to live. Yeah. Um, you know, it's how do you beat it? I mean, if you're a, a biker, a hiker, you know, an outdoors person, um, you know, I'm, I, I mountain bike our on our trails three times a week, and been doing it even all winter this year. Wow. I mean, you can, um, huh? Because the weather's so and, mild, and, and you know. And then the other thing is, we have a we have a pretty educated workforce. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people that speak foreign languages. A lot of people that are, you know, just our our workforce. You know, despite what sometimes we hear about our education system, um, we we still have a pretty good. We put out a pretty good product um, of of people that can that are hard workers and that can get after it and that uh, you know that want to. That want to succeed, and so I think it's a great environment for which, a business.
0: Which seems interesting because uh, I guess per pupil, because we in Utah, you know, we're known for having a lot of kids, and so we we actually spend less per pupil than than probably any other state, and yet we seem to be having a pretty advanced workforce that's able to to meet the requirements of some of these higher tech companies, right?
1: Indeed, I mean, you know, we we are, you know our our teachers do a good job, you know, teaching our kids, and, and although we you know we do spend a low amount per pupil, we still spend a lot of money on education. Yeah, I mean, you know, the reality of it is we have more kids to educate, you know, and obviously, you know, in the East and in other places where they have, you know, where most of the properties privately owned and is taxed, the, you know, the school districts have substantially more tax base to get the revenue from. Yeah, In Utah. Seventy percent of our state nearly is is owned by the federal government. So, <clears throat> I think we do a pretty good job, frankly, with with the with the amount of land we have, the tax, and and you know what we do. Because obviously, we're we're doing something right because people want to come here.
0: Well, that seems like the thing. I mean, everyone's always down on government. No more government. Blah blah blah. But the reality is, everything you just mentioned seems to be kind of byproducts of the government and the people. You mentioned the governor's office making it a fo- a focus to get more jobs, but also legislatures playing a deal, tax base and the fair tax structure, you know, making sure it's a nice place to live and then educating the people. So really as the mayor, your job is to do everything you can, I guess, to to create those conditions and then maximize those conditions. And and, and literally compete against probably thirty other cities for every factory
1: or whatever well you know um really the way the legislature is set up our our, the way the cities are funded you know frankly i should spend all my time looking for retail establishments because that's where we get our largest chunk of uh, tax revenue oh
4: interesting yeah
1: and so to go out and try and you know get jobs is probably a little bit counterintuitive although you know you can only have so many malls and so many you know different you know retail establishments and and my attitude was you know when i first ran for mayor i mean i've been on the council for or two terms before and you know as you look at the future you know the 2014 plan this this valley is going to have three million people in it in in 2040 right and it's you know and the reality of it is you know i would rather have nice places to work because people have, have to work and if they can live and work in the same place i think that benefits everybody economically you know draper frankly is nearly built out as far as uh, you know residential goes we don't have a lot left right. but you know so people might might. They might come to work in Draper at the prison site, um, or down at our, our firm under site, but they might live in Riverton, Lehigh or Harriman, or you know South Jordan, West Jordan, Sandy, and you know that helps everybody. Yeah, I think to the point that we start to cooperate and look look at it from you know a, a macro perspective. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. You know, you know the prison's not a bad neighbor. I mean, you yeah, know, it's not like we have any issues with the prison. I mean, there's not like it's not. You know, I, I don't hate the prison from the sense of just because it's a prison. Um, you know, I'm a defense attorney in my day job. so you know. <laughs> You've
0: actually made good money on the prison.
1: <laughs> I've had a few clients go there. Um, you know, a very few, I might add. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that that piece of property is probably, and I think it's been ferreted out through the studies, is the single most valuable piece of property probably in the metropolitan, in the Mountain West. And wow. And it's, you know, bounded by I-15, Bangor Highway, You've already got the tech hub in Lehigh, with you know Lehigh's done a fantastic job of of kind of doing the same stuff we're trying to do, create a create a business environment. You got Adobe, you know we have eBay at the other end, yeah. Our, where our front runner site is, and we've you know we've we've really reached out and tried to make you know high density you know high quality development. You know we've, we've tried to get it planned for it now because we we think it's really coming down the road, and. You know that prison site is is going to be an economic engine for the state, not just not just my city. You know, it's going to be it's going to be for the entire you know state yeah. region <clears throat> everywhere. I think we have a legitimate opportunity, frankly, um, to get a Fortune 500 company to come make a headquarters here.
0: Oh, um, see, that'd be great. Well, we I mean, don't it, that seems like that seems like the um, the kind of the ideal is. And this is this is. Let's take we'll take a break and come back and talk about it because in the end. There's a lot of hard decisions that have to be made, like moving a prison, for example, in order to lure other companies in. Then also, um, and I want to talk to you about it, Mayor, when we come back, we also a lot of times are giving pretty good tax breaks. And the state will give tax breaks. And I don't know if uh, and I don't know how the cities can get into that. But a lot of people are frustrated by the tax breaks that companies are getting in order to lure them to, to different cities and locations. We'll talk about that when we come back. Again, more with Mayor Troy Walker from Draper, Utah, one of the big tech hubs, Silicon Slopes, they're calling it. And uh, Troy's uh, leading the way in his city to make sure that uh, he grows the business environment here. We'll take a break. More on this interesting subject about businesses right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, businesses are on the move. Certain locations across the country are booming. They're able to attract, uh, you know, kind of become these little hubs for technology or uh, other fields, you know, medical device kind of uh, areas. And there was an article in The New Yorker, and in The New Yorker, my very own mayor from my city uh, here in Draper, Utah, Troy Walker was um, was noted in this article and interviewed in the article. So I said, "Hey, I'm just going to call my mayor, get my mayor on the phone, because I want to find out how towns are doing this across the country. How are we, you know, promoting and driving such strong business? Um, because I don't think every every town's doing it. Uh, I, I hear of a lot of states where." Unemployment is still much lower than it is uh, or much higher than it is here in Utah. So we've got Troy Walker, Mayor Troy Walker, on the phone. He's in his first term, but he's been on the the city council for uh, two terms. He's also been a, a board member of the Utah Transit Authority and the chair of the Conference of Mayors. He has a bachelor's degree from the University of Utah and a JD from Willamette University in Salem, Oregon. He's a lawyer, for heaven's sakes. He's married to Stephanie and they have four wonderful children, by the way, very involved also in the community in sports and in church and other things. So, uh, Mayor Walker, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. You bet. Thank you. So
0: talk to me about, um, you know, how do we lure these companies in? A lot of the talk is about they get great tax, you know, you know tax cuts to to come or... You know, they, some might even have help in setting up buildings and and organizing things like that. What and a lot of people are frustrated by that. How come businesses get all these advantages that just regular folks don't?
1: Well, you know, you got to look at life as a the glass is half full. That's the first the first premise I think, um, because you know when we talk about incentives, you know, just to simplify it, let's take for example, we have a big retailer that wants to come to town. Let's say they, you know, we know that they'll do maybe you know, 60 to $80 million in sales, you know, every year. Uh-huh. We get, you know, we get our portion of the sales tax out of that. So they, they might come to us and they would say, hey, we want to, we want to buy a piece of property over here. It's in Greenbelt right now. It's a field. It's, you know, it's really not generating any money at all. Um, but if we if we bring our business here, you know, we're going to have to build this road and the water pipe and electrical utilities, you know, all that stuff, all the infrastructure. And, if, you know, it, it, it's it's expensive for us to get our, you know, get the roads and that to our business. How about you guys you guys deal with us on it and maybe you know let us recover our uh, our infrastructure costs, you know, over a period of time. And in other mm-hmm. words, instead of us taking the entire amount of sales tax that we would get, we would split it with them or we might have other some other arrangement. And you know, I look at that and say, how does that hurt us? I mean right. you've got a you've got a you know, a piece of property that's maybe in Greenbelt, it's not generating anything, you know, and if they come and so what if it takes four or five years to pay off the infrastructure? When that five years is over, guess what? Um we, we get all the tax revenue. Yeah, money train. You, you take a grocery store, a typical grocery store to a community, you know, maybe like a, a Smith's or a Harmons or Albertson's, you know, they're worth in annual revenue to, to a city somewhere between four and five hundred thousand dollars, hmm. every single one of them. And so, you know, if you had a grocery store come to you and say, hey, I got this piece of farm ground, I want to do this deal, I think it makes sense. Now, oftentimes we'll do them not just with us, we will we'll get the school district involved. And you know, you go to the school district and you say, look, you're not getting anything on this big 10 acres of, of, of farm. Right. But as, but as soon as it has a you know $2 million building on it, guess what? You're going to get some property tax out of that, and it'll help fund education. So, you know, I think most of the time we can make those deals, you know, those deals happen. Um, and that's what we, you know, what we try to do at a city level. We'll, we'll sometimes just do... You know our own deal. Maybe maybe we won't go get the county or the school district or the mosquito abatement district to participate. We might just go make our own deal, and sometimes that's good enough. And sometimes we have to get everybody involved. Now the governor's office, you know, GoEd and, and the Economic Development Corporation of Utah, those, I'm on that I'm on that board as well, um, and you know they work really hard to to put together incentive packages. And you know to me. Matt, you know yeah. we all have, we have kids about the same age. Yeah, you know, and I, when my kids get done with schooling, I, I'd like them to be able to get a a nice high paying job right here in, in Utah. Yeah, stay home you know, and come come home. home. Yeah, you know, and so my attitude is every big business that we bring now, you know, we don't want to give away the farm, and I don't think we ever have in Draper. I mean, I think we've been we've been pretty prudent about it, but and. We want to get them here because I want I want my kids to be able to have a job. I want them to be able to buy a home, be able to live here, you know, and and enjoy living in Utah. I've lived to lots of places in the world. Raised in the military, I've lived everywhere, and I'll tell you what I love living here more than any place, simply because of the outdoor, um, you know, outdoor opportunities and and some of those things. And you know, I think I think it's attractive. I mean, how many states can you you know go skiing right. you know, in the morning and, and be in the in Red Rock in the afternoon? Yeah.
0: You loved you know, it I, so much, you ran for mayor.
1: I did, you know, and I and I love to promote it. I think we, you know, we in Draper, we have a really unique place. I mean, you know, just to give you a little bit of an idea, we have we have purchased as a community with with one with a taxpayer bond and then one the city council just did. We have over seven thousand acres of open space that we've preserved. And I'm going to tell mm. you when a company like Edwards Life Science or, um, you know, uh, eBay, uh, one of these when these companies come, they and they see that we have committed a quality of life with the trail system um, and, and preserving, you know, outdoor recreation opportunities that are literally minutes from your door, Right, um, it's a big deal. I and mean, it's a real big deal. I've met people up on those trails from England, from Saudi Arabia, from, I've met people from everywhere. Hmm. And they come, they, you know, the hang gliding park, frankly, most, one of the most unique.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that in Utah, there's a, a hang gliding park where you can just see dozens of, of people jumping off a mountain and gliding around
1: and it's 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 one of the most unique ones in the whole world for flying because of the you know the geography of, of or the you know the geology and geography of the mountains mm-hmm. so you know we have some pretty cool stuff in draper and i you know i'm I'm proud of it i think i think we've you know we've had good leadership and good government you know over the you know that's the other thing. You know we get mad at our our government, our politicians, and look, I'm a lawyer and a politician, so you know <laughs> when, when I'm not kissing their babies, I'm still in their lollipops, right? So, um, right. but you know I think that most people that I've come across in public services, you know they 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 want to do something to improve where they live and what matters to them, and you know everybody's got their own personal stuff they're interested in. I mean, you know I enjoy uh, I enjoy going out and speaking about Draper and <clears throat> doing some of those things, but I also like living here and. You know, I can say from my council members' perspective, they had the same the same attitude, and I think it goes on up to the legislature. You take about guys like Brad Wilson who are who've taken on the prison, right? And, you know, that's not a, that's not an easy thing. It's
0: not. We talked think. about how many people are mad. At, you know, every city they yeah. they take it to is like not in my backyard.
1: Yeah, it's you know, and you know, we've we've had it for sixty three plus years in our backyard, and so you know, I'm, you know, and like I say, it's it's. It's not the, It's not that it's a bad neighbor, but that's a. That's the economic future for example, right. in the county, north north part of Utah County, and well, and it does. We do
0: it it has do benefits. It. You're taking 1,200 jobs or whatever with you. It's. I mean, it's oh, a. Yeah. It's a good thing, is it I mean, it really is like what I'm hearing just as a layperson that I love politics, but I don't ever get involved in it just because it just seems so gooey oh, um, and you vote every time right? I do vote, I vote every time, that's right. That's right. And, so yeah, I guess that is my involvement isn't it Yes. That's uh, but good in the, in the in the end though um it really is a, it's kind of a statewide, but then it's still a city push, and it's it's you have to have good relationships between all these different le- levels. And you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned a bunch of them. Um, why are some states, I mean, I, I bet there's a lot of people listening, you know, in certain cities, and they're like, ah, oh, geez, well, my yeah, we don't work like that. We, we, we don't work. We, we're not as unified with our governors and our legislature as maybe Utah. Is, is that one of the reasons it's working, is it's just because we're united there?
1: You know, I'll give you an example. I still serve on the UTA board, and you know, our, our yeah. speaker of the house, Greg Hughes, is you know a dear friend of mine, and I know well. I've served with you know served for the chair as the chair of UTA for for a number of terms, and you know, I'll tell you what's what's unprecedented is we have in Utah an ability as governments to work together and agencies, and I, and I'll tell you one that's the, the perfect example. You will sometimes be driving down the freeway, and you will see a, a you know U dot reader board say, I have bad air today." use transit yeah okay that doesn't happen in very many other places that the the state road departments and the transit agencies they just don't get together and and slap each other on the back and try to help each other huh. in utah you know we have a great a great director of the trans, of the utah department of Transportation, carlos Becerra. you know the guy is a is a, he gets it he wants to make things work we've got the good leadership at uta michael Allegra. you know we we collaborate um you know, you can go sit down with the governor and you can you can say, hey, this is something that we think we ought to do. And, you know, the governor can go sit down with the legislature. And, mm. you know, we don't always agree on everything. But, you know, I think what speaks volumes for us is that we do we do cooperate mm. and we do have a practical approach to making things, you know, you know roll up your sleeves and, and kind of make something make something work. Yeah. And, I, you know, I want to just applaud you know our, our leadership in, in government, I, I think, from governor on down to speaker. You know, they, you know our Senate President Wayne Niederhauser, another guy who, you know, is dedicated a lot of time. You know, Wayne has a business, and you know, I think politics is his hobby. But yeah, you know, we're lucky. To, we're lucky to have Wayne. I mean, Wayne's been a, a great. You know, you look at other mayors, Tom Dolan. Um, you know, how do you how do you say anything about you know Tom Dolan had the vision you know, probably before any of us did. Yeah, he's
0: been a you mayor know. like 30-something years, hasn't he?
1: But, but you know, Dolan still gets it. I mean, yeah. he gets it good. I mean, he's, he's worked hard, and he's done a great job. Um, well, you also U.S.
0: have major universities. You have your yeah. – and I guess that's another draw that was in the article is the, the infrastructure with universities like Brigham Young University and uh, the University of Utah research inst- institutions. I mean, you – it's It really is a collective thing. So if, if somebody's out there listening, um, what can they do? What can the average resident do to influence their politics, their government, their educational system? Because I, I feel like a lot of people are out there thinking, oh, well, I want that. And then we'll move to Utah. But those that don't want to move to Utah, what should they do to push their 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 elected officials to do more, to be more?
1: Well, I, I think you know one of the first things you can do is, is try and get involved in the in the local stuff. The you know it, local governments where the rubber meets the road, and you know, um, you know if you're if you're living somewhere, get get involved in your local city politics and and start trying to make a difference, and then you know you can kind of move on up from there. Um, you know, other states that do a good job, you know, like Texas, um, you know they. They kind of have the same, you know, roll up your sleeve mentality. They got a little bit different mentality, which just don't mess with us. But anyway, <laughs> hey, you got to respect them.
0: They carry um, guns.
1: But I, but I think you know, having quality educational institutions, and I probably would have mentioned the U first, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, uh, but you know, Easy. I think that that's a key. Um, you know, we I think getting involved in voting. Frankly, I mean, yeah. pretty low voter turnout. One thing we just switched to in Draper, um, that's kind of going across the, the state, is we're all we're going to be all vote by mail this year. So hmm. you're going to have to you're going to have to pay attention and mail your ballot in. And I think it'll get better voter participation. I think you're today. right. But I, the other thing is, you know, like the prison is an example of this. You know, you get the media, and you and the media will get out there and start spinning the prison however they want to spin it or ginning mm-hmm. up a story. I, you know, I'm not going to accuse them of. Of spinning it or making up something but I say you know if if you're a citizen in Utah and you want to know about the prison if you'll go to my website I have the report linked you can read the consultants report you can read that report that we paid a couple million dollars for in the state of Utah and you can make your own conclusion and I encourage you to do that because you know when you listen to all the different factions you you think oh, these these people are just you know it's just a land grab right well you know well it's the state's land, and the state is, needs to be prudent. That land's worth several billion dollars. Developed to the state, you yeah, know, to, to all of us as taxpayers. So read the reports. You know, read the stuff. Don't just don't just listen. That's to it, it huh? It on. Yeah, you got to get, get it, you got
0: to get involved to a degree. I mean, you can sit back and just listen to talk radio, or you can also go read and study and vote and go to the meetings and push and. And be a part of it and and even if you you know even if you don't want to run for an office, you could be informed, heaven forbid
1: oh, absolutely and we you know we have we have a few citizens that regularly attend our city council meetings and they're well informed and they make good comments and we listen to them okay. you know we we read emails and we you know we try our best now you know we're not always going to do maybe you know someone might have an idea but there's lots of reasons but i you know I just think that that you know we've we've tried to be transparent in our government like. You know, go read the go read the link and, and read the report and then make your own conclusion after you've after you've read what what it can really be. Mm-hmm. You know, then then you can make a better decision. Yeah. Um you know, I love watching those jaywalkings when they go out and ask, you know, like, who did we fight in the Civil War? And, everything, right. and no one knows. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty bad. I mean,
0: it is. <laughs> it is. I
1: watched one of those on Facebook the other day, and it was pretty funny.
0: Well, I, you know, it's. I think it's totally funny. And I, I totally agree with you. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you on is, I mean, I know you. I get to talk to you on the sideline of a football game. And all of a sudden, I know how informed you are. And then I also hear all these other stories out there. But I guess in the end, that is politics right there. And. So Troy Mayor Troy Walker, we appreciate your insight. Uh, everybody out there in listener land, you know, it's not utopia. Every city, every town has their great offerings. Utah's not, you know, we haven't cornered the market, but in a weird way, uh, some states are. So make sure you're pushing your representatives to be more, to do more, and the only way you can do that is if you're informed. Get out there, go to those meetings, study the issues start pushing your uh, your city to be more we'll take a break when we come back continue this discussion we might even take a little drone quiz I don't know exactly what that means it actually sounds a little painful we'll be back this is the Matt Townsend show you'll see to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU radio Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, speaking of being involved in your political process locally, uh, in Roswell, New Mexico, by the way, home of the uh, UFO Museum. I've been there. Fantastic, fantastic 15 minutes. It's where first contact happened. Yeah. We met the
3: aliens right there. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know what? They have, you know, I don't want to tip the hand, but they actually have life-size you know, demonstrations and aliens and displays that you you, your honeymoon. Have you thought of going to Roswell, James, for your honeymoon? I haven't considered it. But now that you mention it, sounds like a great option. It is a huge option. <laughs> anyway, check into it. I'm sure you can get great deals, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roswell, New Mexico. It's the rural southeastern New Mexico town of Hagerman. So it's in that area. The AP there in Roswell posted this story. They had an uncontested election for three school board seats. OK, uncontested. So uh, the problem was nobody voted. Nobody turned out to vote for the school board seats. So what do you do when you have, Yeah, you know, uh, county clerk Dave Kunko said the three candidates needed at least one vote each to be elected. And he said nobody showed up to vote. Like, which I find interesting because you couldn't even get your wife to go vote. Like, I could get my wife to vote. I could get my mom and dad to vote. Maybe they don't live there. They didn't they, you, you didn't vote for yourself? Yeah, I was too tired. Uh, have they counted
3: the absentee ballots yet? Yeah. Those always seem to come in last. Yeah, yeah I
0: think they're still coming in. Okay. It's a very big county. But, uh, Sounds he, like So it. he's <laughs> trying to receive legal advice to find out, you know, what do you do with a, uh, a board where nobody was elected? So you know, I would probably have a special election, and I would just tell everybody to go vote for yourself. Is that too controlling? Well, that would lead to a three-way tie, though. It's a great point. You need three seats. That's that's oh, a, perfect. That's Done. A great point. You know, it sounds kind of like how Putin got in. <laughs> yeah. To bring, if we're going to go full circle. Hey, another little local town news. Did you hear about the deputy who's retiring in Wyoming? He's mad. Because a new sheriff came into town, <laughs> a new sheriff came into town, and uh he's not allowing his his guys to wear their uniforms that they used to wear he's He's banning them from wearing cowboy hats and cowboy boots. Now this guy's been there for years. Where's this at? This is up in Wyoming, Pinedale, Wyoming. The new sheriff of a Wyoming county has banned his deputies from wearing cowboy hats and cowboy boots. A change that led to one long-time long time deputy to retire rather than give up his Western attire. Did he give a reason? Yeah, he actually did because uh, the boots are slippery. Okay. And the cowboy hats blow off in the Wyoming wind. I but, can see that. But this guy's like, hold it. Whoa. Don't really? mess with really? my hat. Whoa. This guy spent 40 years in law enforcement, 28 years with the sheriff's department and now you're telling him he can't wear his boots? Because them boots were made for walking. So did he quit? He quit. He quit. He, quit. Wow. he retired early. Well, yeah. I'm not going to change. He says, I've been here for 40-odd years in the sheriff's office. I'm not going to go out and buy combat boots and throw my vest and hat away. He used to wear like a little vest with a little sheriff badge. So he was fulfilling whatever stereotype of he was like, the cowboy the sheriff cop mm-hmm. guy. Huh? Yeah. It's near Casper, Wyoming. Next thing you're going to want to do is take my spurs, and my gun away. See, that's why whenever well, there's a new sheriff in town, you got to watch out. I'm resistant to change. See, that's why people are worried about you, Terry, because you're like a new sheriff in town. Well, yeah, but I'm not
3: making any changes until there's a reason to.
0: No, but you do wear chaps, which is do interesting. I? Well, I
3: they I asked. I said, "What's the office dress code?" <laughs> Don, going? can I wear my chaps? <laughs> And he said, you know, we kind of wear Dockers, you know, maybe more into khakis. Maybe some nice jeans. But, yeah, chaps will work, too. <laughs> little fringe, you yeah. know.
0: No, they love you.
2: It's really nice to know where you are, too, with your spurs kind of like doing oh, that yeah. little. That's yeah. just so great. Little you can,
3: can always hear cling. Terry coming in. Yep, It's all about clink, the entrance. Clink, clink. It's how you enter the room.
0: That's uh-huh. how you. And then that's cool because you can't carry a gun, that you just have your stapler in your holster. Right. That's neat. And, your yeah, tape. and you just
2: fire those staples at us. <laughs>
0: It's motivating. Staple guns. Super yeah. duper motivating. Uh, any other headlines for us as we wrap up this first hour? It's 56 after the hour, for heaven's sake. We have finished the first hour, and nobody died.
3: You mentioned the drones.
0: Yeah. We'll save that. Save the quiz. Cause... It's a little
3: involved, what we were thinking about doing.
0: Yeah. it's. Yeah. We want to test your knowledge of... Of dronage. But your brother got uh, – he, he bought a drone. He, he, well, his Let, wife purchased one for okay, Christmas, let's, let's I Okay, let's be clear because word. we used to call them a remote control whatever. Yeah. Now we call them a drone, right? Is there a difference? So if I go to Radio Shack in their super closing, closeout cell –
2: Everything's right. got to go.
0: Did you mention? Did you think halfway through that? Oh wait, they're closing. Oh yeah, they're closing. <laughs> I did. So if I got a radio oh they're closing. So but I'm going to get a good deal. So if I get to a good deal yeah. on a remote control uh, helicopter, is that a drone? It depends. Uh, I, I don't know what the okay. requirements
3: are and specifications, but there's a difference between the radio controlled toy and a drone.
0: Now your brother, but there's a gray, hazy middle there. That's what they're trying to legislate. They're trying to like create regulations for what a drone is, what it isn't. Yes, but also
3: protect the individual who wants to go buy one of those sort of toy-like drones, Mm -hmm. like little Timmy. But if you want to use it for commercial purposes, they want to regulate you. And
0: what if you want the drone to fly into airspace and shoot, uh, you know, laser pointers at airplanes? That would probably not be. So within the
3: rules, yeah. So that's why we need laws for that. Out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because that's a dangerous. Drone. And you know, privacy issues. And, yeah, you don't want. Yeah. Now,
3: my brother's posted all these videos and sent them out to the family because he sends up his his uh uh drone that has a 1080p camera. And, Are you saying You know, it's I mean, high def, and you're, he's flying around his neighborhood. And, you know, just sends it up. Well, oh, see, that's creepy. Yeah, and at, at first you're like, wow, that's a great picture. That is a great picture. You know, Whoa, is that the? And then roof? you're like, wait. Look, his neighbor's over there in his backyard. What's he doing? Oh, wait, this is weird. Okay. Oh, now you're violating. And then privacy. he starts chasing his two-year-old around the neighborhood, but which kind of fun.
0: There's a limiter. There's a, like a governor on this thing. Well, when he pulled it out of the box,
3: yeah. he had never touched the drone before. Yeah. So he started just trying to fly it. And I go, do you know what you're doing? He goes, I have no idea. No idea. I'm like, that's that's safe. Yeah. It's great. great. And, uh, and then it wouldn't go... As high as he wanted it, so he read through the instructions. Because you know you're a guy, you don't yeah. read the instructions. No. You just turn this it on later and go. when it doesn't work. So he checked it out, and there is a limit to how high initially it's set, mm. and then there's an upper limit now because he turned that off. So now he, just he can fly it. at 10,000 feet. Well, no, it only goes as far with his specific model. It runs off Wi-Fi. Okay, so because he's controlling it with his iPad. How right? cool is this? So. Um, it, it's the however far his Wi-Fi signal will hmm. carry.
0: I guess. So I guess it, yeah. So check your Wi-Fi. And there are specific provider. rules on
2: how high these things can fly and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So that's
3: cool. It's, so it's it's interesting.
2: Maybe he needs to get another drone that he can hook a, wi- a Wi-Fi router to. Right. Make a network that
0: oh. flies through the air. Or yeah. well, just hook a cable to it and let it just pull the cable. up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all you need is like a thousand, five thousand feet of cable.
3: Absolutely. So I mean. They want mm. to protect the individual being able to fly and kind of play with these, but yeah. at the same time, don't have people that want to say, hey, let's see if we can get up there and- uh,
0: Right. And you don't want them landing on like the White House. And and yeah.
3: On. Crossing freeways no. and those types of things start becoming
0: difficult. But you, like they, they're going to start showing up at, cr- at crime scenes. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Eventually, every television station can get rid of their helicopter and just have a drone guy. And that person probably needs to have some training. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. See, that was easy. That was even better than a drone quiz. Oh, we have the quiz, though. Well, we'll do the quiz. Oh, we're going to do the quiz. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back, uh, new hour, starting uh, just after the break. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to hour number two. It's six minutes after the hour. Boy, we got some fun for you. First of all, a little bit uh, later, we're going to be talking to Dr. Sandy McClary, who is, uh, how do we put this? She's going to teach us if you have a disruptive child, they probably have a certain type that you need to understand. And she can classify disruptive children into different categories. She's going to help us figure out how to uh, more effectively manage the disruptive child. Aren't, aren't it's children important?
3: Normally disruptive.
0: Well, yeah, but there's a difference, okay. right? There's a difference between you know the disruptive child that struggles, you know, sitting still, and maybe the disruptive child that. You um, that, that can't focus. And we might think that they're the same thing, but there might be a certain distinction. And there's, there's, then there's the child you just don't give sugar. Okay. Then there's the child that maybe has a little social anxiety. So
3: this is about managing the mm-hmm. type of child. Yes. Depending on who they are, and what And understanding that
0: there's certain types that we need to pay attention to. Anyway, great stuff coming up. But before we do that, uh, speaking of disruptive children, Terry South. Thank you. Not that, not that you are one. Terry has one child. And how, he's very disruptive. How old is he? He is three and a half.
3: Cute. And this morning, he left the house in his firefighter costume. Because <laughs> if you would take him out of it, he would be a disruptive child. By the way. My wife is coping. Sounds like James.
2: There you go. Well, uh, speaking of which, Don told us when you first came on our team that we weren't supposed to give you any sugar. Right. So it usually isn't worth it. the sugar it. Yeah. A little hyper there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
3: it is the morning, so it could be beneficial to the show. You That's never know. Yeah.
2: Give us a lot more energy.
3: Headlines, Hillary Clinton meets with Senator Elizabeth Warren.
0: Now, that's a big deal. Yes. Because everyone on the left keeps saying, we want Senator Warren, not Hillary. But now they're meeting together. I thought forever that they were the same person. Yeah, right. But they're not. Kind of the same hair. I don't know about
3: the pantsuits.
0: So, But what is she saying? Senator Warren has
3: repeatedly said she is not going to run. Not gonna do it. And all these other people are like, yeah, right. That's yeah. A, that, that's what everybody says. Sure. But I don't think she's gonna run. Uh, but they, Hillary Clinton, met with her. They've never actually met. You know, like you really? know, social type things. You meet someone, say, hey, yeah. what's going on? But actually, sit down, have a discussion, have any sort of relationship of any kind. Now they've uh, they've met. What? How did they, they? Did they get along? They met at, at uh, Hillary's home. Weird. They sat down. All their handlers, all their aides, all the people. It was just them. Everyone else
0: out of the room. Don't you wonder what they like? Did they eat? Like President uh, President Obama always like invites people over for a drink, right? So that's a social thing. It was a social thing. But do you think that did they play cards? I don't know. It's interesting. There was no details of the meeting other than it went well. So she's not running. Elizabeth Warren is not running, she says, and she's giving Hillary Clinton her full support and she's going to try to help her get elected. Did you hear that? No, I'm wondering what, what, what was said was that people close to the senator, because that's where all this stuff comes right. from,
3: say that she is willing to use her influence to nudge Hillary Clinton towards whatever issues that Senator Warren finds interesting. Oh, interesting. So she's open to inv- she's open to influencing her. She will be a. Tra- well, this is exciting. Yeah, she'll be someone who will uh, be a someone to talk to Hillary. Now, the problem with that before, when Hillary ran, what was it, in 08? Yeah. Was that when she ran? Two it's, elections ago? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. When she ran, um, she wasn't willing to talk with anyone or take any outside conversation yeah. or comments from so anyone. Hillary's, and now she's reaching out.
0: Well, to she the seems party to so. be reaching out pretty much to the only person that. Because there's a lot of people that are thinking they'd rather have Elizabeth Warren. Hmm. This is fun. Oh, the tangled web. Isn't this ex- – I mean to me, that's interesting. That would be an interesting discussion because Senator Warren is the one that like – do you remember when Hillary made that comment about businesses weren't created by people? Do you remember that? She kind of tried to pull a little bit of a an Elizabeth Warren saying it's not about – businesses are created – I mean businesses couldn't happen without the government. Like they basically – You need the roads. You need the infrastructure. And so Hillary tried to pull that off, but she couldn't pull it off like Senator Warren. Hmm. And she kind of looked stupid. She looked like she was out there hanging out there on her own. Anyway, then she had to admit it was a misstatement. Oops. Mm. Interesting times. This is fun. In other news, a vast treasure
3: trove of gold coins was discovered in a seabed in the ancient Mm. harbor uh, near Israel. Well. They have names here, but. Yeah, well, yeah. Let, they're let's ancient just, names. Let's hear one. Um, no, okay. Uh, and a lot. The lot included twenty pounds of gold coins, about two thousand coins, dated more than one thousand years old. Wow. The coins are believed to have belonged to the uh,
0: Fitmid Caliphate. Yep, that sounds right. Oh, so ruled, another caliphate which
3: ruled through the Middle East and North Africa from nineteen oh nine to eleven seventeen.
0: Well, by law, they they should belong to ISIS because isn't that the newest caliphate? Uh, depends from the Middle East yeah. and northern right and northern I think Africa. Africa at least they might
2: have a case
0: they're trying so maybe they'll stake a claim interesting what's that worth not to like just be a money grubber
3: uh, experts say the fine may have been a collection of government taxes or destined for military salaries at the time mm-hmm. further excavation is planned so they don't know they don't know yet they're still looking at it
0: Interesting. But was that, this was this on that video show that show on TLC where they drudge for gold? Gonna say no. Gold rush? No. Okay. That's a different thing. Okay. That's you know, a lot, lot more beard. Yeah, they had to move their their stuff over there. There's a lot of gold in them there.
3: I don't know if those guys would uh, work well in that region. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. The Klondike.
0: Keep them in the Klondike.
3: Facebook has reworked their algorithm. Ouch. Or how, it, Sounds painful. It, the, the computer program that decides what you see when yeah. you open your Facebook page. Now, why? Because they can. It's why a, do it's they It's the same meddle? reason
0: Google messes with the way search yeah, works. Yeah, I guess they're just trying to maximize. But you know what? I learned you can overcook something. Well,
3: part of it is because companies figure out what, how it works rather quickly and so they start trying to game the system so they get an advantage yeah and so they change it so that they can pull that
0: back and kind of they did that to me and i don't like them yeah because i was gaming it like crazy
3: so apparently it it used to be photo heavy Uh if you put a photo with your post it got a lot more views they've switched that so the as as it said here the the hierarchy of importance now goes videos
0: text only links photos Oh, that's smart. So they're driving everyone to Instagram, which they also own. So Instagram would be and And some people
3: feel this is an effort in Facebook to try to take away market share from YouTube by putting importance on videos and putting videos on Facebook, not bringing a YouTube
0: link over. Interesting. That is interesting. So if you had your choice to post your video on Facebook, who who are pretty new to video, really, or YouTube that's been doing it for years— I'm sticking with YouTube. Yeah. And she, the fact that you and can I'm just throw a link, link over. Yeah, yeah,
2: just the fact that there is an algorithm at all is kind of obnoxious. Yes. I, wish, I would just like to see everyone's stuff that I want to see. Not, yeah. not this and that, you know.
0: It's a lot like Putin.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you can just
0: do that all day. <laughs> it's just like Putin. That's how the, Putin's
2: up
3: to 200 billion. 200 billion. Allegedly. Allegedly. You have to throw the yeah, allegedly. Yeah, you don't in.
0: want Putin mad at you. No. Allegedly. Still, he's two times richer than the richest
2: man in the world. One more
3: story. You got one more for Nestle USA said Tuesday it will remove artificial flavors and colors from its chocolate products, including Butterfinger, Crunch, and Baby Ruth bars. So artificial, how do they put, artificial flavors and colors.
0: Well, what would that leave? I don't know. Are they just going to be like gray? (laughs) Hey. It's going to be a lump of nougat. But even nougat, you know. Where's my nougat lump? It
3: says, uh, Nestle will be the first candy manufacturer in the U.S. to remove artificial ingredients in its existing products, according to the Wall Street Journal. The trick is to remove the artificial ingredients, but don't change the taste.
0: Well, what's the goal?
3: Be healthier. People have a problem when it's artificial. I know, but you don't go to a candy bar That's if you're my healthy. fault. My thought is you're looking at it like right. you're not looking to eat an apple at no. that point, you want candy. So who cares what's in it? But people, you know, mm. if you can, whatever you can, I guess, advertise and
2: and yeah. put
0: in there, you can say it's healthier. Well, if you're going, you know, if you want healthier, go to Sweet Rolls.
2: That's a good point. That's,
0: Are you with me? Like
2: Putin. He does like that. Like Putin. Oh, Putin. that dude allegedly loves,
0: <laughs> allegedly loves
2: His Sweet Rolls. Sweet Rolls. Oh,
3: Good stuff. So every story, like Putin, and allegedly, has to be in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's the rest of the show. That's how you make a newsman, right there.
0: Just throw in allegedly. You can take whatever you want and say allegedly. Yeah. Good stuff. Well done, Mr. South. We're going to take a break, my friends, and come back. We're going to be discussing disruptive children. Do you have any? Do you know any? You know, there may be some hope, folks. Uh, There are some tools that we can use to help us intervene a little bit earlier on some of these kids that are struggling, that, uh, you know, that are disrupting the classrooms, your family, your life. More tools, more ideas coming up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, have you ever noticed that uh, between naps, recesses, finger painting, snack time, teachers interact with a wide array of personalities in their students? Almost any teacher can describe the can describe the class clown, the shy types, the know it alls. The unique emotional, psychological, and time based needs of each individual child is incredibly important. And the management of those needs creates a huge stress on the parents and teachers alike. Well, we have a professor from New York that has developed a program that is focused on helping parents and teachers to manage working with disruptive children. Dr. Sandy McClary uh, created the program Insights into, into Children's Temperament. It's a program that involves four temperament profiles, and each of these profiles is represented by a puppet for the children, for example, Federico is the social and eager to try profile, and we're going to be talking to Dr. McClary about uh, the success of this new program. Dr. McClary, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
5: Thank you, Matt.
0: It's so great to have you on the show. And I mean, every child is so different, right? And yet, if they're if they're becoming a discipline problem, if they're becoming a um, you know a distraction or a disruptive child a lot of times it seems like the teacher just has to kind of throw them in the category of disruptive without always understanding why or what's going on. Is that what you see?
5: Yes. Unfortunately, what happens frequently with kids who are disruptive, they get put in the back of the room so the teachers can go on teaching. Yeah. And the situation just gets worse.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you can't ignore the disruptive child, especially because they're doing it for a reason right i mean there's an underlying reason that that they're probably disrupting they're not just you know inherently i guess wanting to make your life horrible
5: no no and that's what insights does it takes away the intentionality of the child's behavior so that parents and teachers um understand better what's going on with this kid
0: no what what made you pursue this line of study why did you why did you do why did you go after this idea
5: well, a long time ago, um, when I was working as a pediatric nurse in the hospital, I realized that kids in the same situation were reacting very differently to what was going on. And I really wanted to explore why two kids with the same health problem, one would be very withdrawn and the other would be very angry. Um, and temperament helped me understand that.
0: So you broke, uh, you've, you've taken four different, I guess, temperament, types or categories, and, and, and you've actually you know, created a, a personality or a cartoon, a puppet for that different type. Is that correct?
5: That's correct.
0: Well, walk us through those four types.
5: Sure. Okay. So there's two, um, two mirror images, and I'll start with the first. Uh, you mentioned Frederico the Friendly, or Freddy the Friendly, who just um, is very social yeah. and wants to try everything in life. And much to the worry of his parent and teacher. And his mirror image is Coretta the Cautious, who withdraws from new circumstances as opposed to rushing into them like Freddie.
0: Yeah, so Freddie kind of just runs in, gets involved, maybe even stepping over people. And Coretta's (laughs) a little bit more on the side, kind of careful, cautious. Right. Cautious
5: and shy. Yes. Okay. And then the other two temperament profiles that are mirror images of each other, there's Hillary the hard worker, who is industrious and who is, you know, very anxious, to, eager to get to school and yeah. work hard. And then there's the opposite, and that's uh, uh, Gregory the grumpy, <laughs> who is the, um, frequently the disruptive kid we're talking about. He is, um, has a real attitude, And uh, tends to express it very honestly at times, uh, appropriately honestly, and um, also has some problems with sitting still and attending to his assignments.
0: Interesting. So you've basically got Hillary the hard worker, Cautious Coretta, Gregory the grumpy, and Freddie Friendly. That's correct. How do we... um, Now, it's, it's interesting. I would almost worry that, man, what if my kid is Gregory Grumpy... That sure sounds like he's the negative. he's the negative puppet. <laughs> do you well, worry about that?
5: He might, well, he might be. Yeah, you know, and it helps to validate that some kids are just, just more challenging for parents and teachers to manage.: Yeah, It uh, doesn't mean they're bad kids, and not all Gregory the Grumpies are uh, disruptive. Right. You know, they tend to be, but um, it helps to accept the child that you have as opposed to the one that you might have designed.
0: Well, and each of these each of these labels or, or names, they're just more descriptions of behavior. Like Hillary's a hard worker, Freddie's friendly. It's not, a, it's not an, it's, you're not questioning their value. It's just their, no, you're it's not. their behavior. And
5: that's a, well, it's an important point because each of the profiles, each of the puppets or children have strengths. And yeah. Like Gregory is honest and frequently can multitask, whereas Hillary might have great difficulty with that since she's often a perfectionist. So the important thing is for parents and teachers to reframe their perspective so they see the strengths of that particular child and acknowledge the areas of concern, and that's where they can begin working. I rather love than that trying
0: idea. The yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And helping them just start to understand that in the room, you you know, you're going to have the cautious one, and, I mean, you might even see it in your own family. One's more cautious, one's more a right. hard worker, that yet perfectionist. I mean, I guess you, you just show the whole spectrum, huh?
4: You do.
5: And in our studies, about 10% of kids are Hillary the hard workers, and those are the kids that teachers thought they were going to be teaching. <laughs> so... Th- the rest yeah. of the ninety percent are a little temperamentally disadvantaged unless teachers can reframe how they're going to handle their classroom.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because even like Freddie the friendly, oops, sorry, Freddie the friendly. You're saying, okay, quit talking, sit down, Freddie, sit down, quit talking mm-hmm. to your neighbor, right? Eyes forward, Freddie. Yeah, I think that was me. <laughs> I think I'm a Freddie the friendly, and then
5: well, you know, Freddies are enjoyable. Oh too. yeah,
0: they're the life of the yeah. party. They just never yeah. seem to get anything done. Well, they
5: can't. They can learn to.
0: That's exact. Okay, so walk us through, um, maybe just go through each one of them and, and tell us kind of the spectrum for each one. Hillary's a hard worker, but maybe is prone to perfectionism.
5: Right. She can get stuck on things, um, be upset that things are not going, um, that, that she has to stop and start something else. She wants to continue what she's doing. Mm. So, yeah. And at the same time, uh, put Hillary on a task, and she can organize, and the rest
0: of us. Yeah. And it's interesting. You see, what's so funny is this doesn't end in elementary school. Like, I, I, when you when you went through just Hillary, I'm like, oh, man, I've got co-workers like that. Right. And it's interesting. Like, Hillary is a hard worker, but she sometimes isn't seeming so friendly.
5: Well, she she's probably focused on what she's doing. Yeah, she wants and an outcome. I mean, Right, right. So she may be uh, attending to something and not uh, dealing with some of the social things going around her. Um, but Freddie's got that handled.
0: Yeah. Freddie's everybody's best friend but doesn't seem to get it done or, or tend to not get it done.
5: Right. Talk about Freddie. All right. So Freddie, um, Freddie as easily said, he, there's, there's nothing he doesn't want to try, <laughs> uh, meet people, it's all, you know, life is a really great place for Freddie. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, parents and teachers are going to worry about his safety. Yep. Uh, you know, get out of the street, Freddie.
4: Fr- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
5: Being that friendly um, can be a real issue, and uh, particularly if you're living in a, in a community where one has to be a little bit more cautious about you going out and meeting and trying everything.
0: <laughs> don't touch that, Freddie. Yeah. Right. I and mean, that's a big deal, isn't it? Especially if You live in an inner uh-huh. city where, you know, buses and streets are busy. It's a big deal. Uh-huh. Uh, talk about cautious Coretta.
5: Coretta. Um, Coretta is, well, we don't have to worry about her safety because she's
0: already worried about back. it. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah, she's she's doing her own uh checking out the environment and um you know, only treading in lightly and uh-huh. when it, when it seems to be safe. Um she's shy, but at the same time, Coretta's going to observe things that the rest of us are not going to notice. Yeah. She's highly sensitive to the environment. She picks up on all kinds of cues. So she's the one that can be very sensitive to when her friend or family member is having a bad day, and what she needs to do to help them.
0: Hmm. Now, it's interesting. uh, Is she more prone to, uh, you know, anxieties, social anxieties?
5: She would be more prone to, but like with all the temperaments, We're talking about, you know, normal deviations, and when they get a little bit further, then we've got some other issues to deal with.
0: Yeah, then we have to intervene. A
5: child, you know, is more prone to anxiety, but not necessarily an anxious child.
0: I mean, it's powerful. Uh, Talk uh, to wrap it up about Gregory the Grumpy.
5: Ah, Gregory,
0: yes. Well, Gregory um, is
5: the one that is probably most challenging for parents and teachers. Um, they take personally his grumpiness, his negative response to things. Uh, Gregory's the kid who may have asked to go to a movie. You get him in line at the movie theater, and the line's too long. The popcorn's stale, <laughs> you know. And if you take that personally and try and either make him happy or try to argue him out of it, that can really escalate his negative behavior. Yeah. So.
0: But he's super know, honest.
5: He's super honest, yeah, and maybe the popcorn is stale, you yeah. know, and you may not yeah. appreciate that comment. You don't have to respond to that comment, and one of the strategies we, we teach parents and teachers is when to ignore. There's no reason you have to respond to every one of Gregory's grump.
0: behaviors. Oh, I love behaviors. that, and we need yeah. that. We totally need that. Let's, um, let's take a break. We're talking with Dr. Uh, Sandy McClary, who is helping us understand the temperament types of our children. Four different types she's, she's mentioned so far. When we come back, we'll, we'll get into this a little deeper and try to figure out how we use these, this understanding and uh, even these puppets. By the way, go to her website, insightsintervention.com, insightsintervention.com, and they have just a breakdown of all of these different types plus uh, more cues and help to figure out what to do with it. We'll take a break. More when we come back right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about uh, your child's temperament. Uh, and if they tend to be a disruptive child, it's there's a powerful tool. And actually, it's not even, I don't even think it's just, you know, has to be for if they're disruptive or not. The reality is it's good for your kids to kind of know their temperament, their style. And if you go to the website, insightsintervention.com, you'll see the uh, brainchild there of Dr. Sandy McClary, and she is um, a researcher, and uh, and is really a, just trying to create tools for children to better understand who they are and, and how we can start to talk with our children about how they handle things. And she's introduced to us four different personality or um, four, four, four different uh, temperament types. Is that what you call it? Yep, that's what that's you what call I it, Hasan. Huh, and for example, Cautious Coretta, Freddie Friendly, Hillary the Hard Worker, Gregory the Grumpy. And, and really, what do you suggest we do once we've kind of identified which, one, which temperament tends to fit our child? What are we supposed to do with that?
5: I think that um, one of the strengths of Insights is that we teach parents and uh, teachers how to tailor the strategies they use with their kids. For example, if you talk to Coretta in an overly firm voice, mm. you can turn her just into a puddle. Yeah, the shy, the shy kid. However, if you use just a casual vo- voice with Gregory, you're not going to get through to him.
0: Yeah, he doesn't respect so- that. <laughs>
5: Yeah, so you have to, you know, get in, get down to that little guy or, or or girl because there can be Gretchen the grumpies too. Yeah, and look them directly in the eye and make sure you have eye contact, and then give them a directive that's very clear and very firm.
0: So really, all all you're suggesting is understanding your child.
5: Right. And understanding your child and responding in a way that works with that kid's particular personality or temperament.
0: Yeah, I mean, we do this all the time with adults, right? The Myers-Briggs test. We have all of these other types of uh, evaluations where we can figure out if we're introverted, extroverted, uh, you know, if we like information. or, or and, and it just helps us understand how to approach that person. And I guess the same yeah, is so. true with our children.
5: Yeah because we think that everybody is built internally the same way as we are and only by understanding that there are, that people react in different ways that are based on their personality or temperament yeah. can we really understand that particular person. Well it's and funny it because so much.
0: it does mean a lot and and I've seen it just as I've been teaching workshops workshops sorry with adults uh it's the weirdest thing because I will have, for example, a Hillary hard worker or hard worker Hillary in a class. And if I give just a, a just a random kind of subtle assignment, she's probably the only one in the room that heard it, wrote mm-hmm. it down and has five questions about it. Right. And I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, if you want to do it, you can do that assignment. It's, you know, it's totally up to you. But because she's such a hard worker and so task oriented, she doesn't want to miss anything. And then you have, she might be married to, for example, uh, you know, a, a cautious guy, and all of a sudden um, that cautious guy stands back, isn't as risk-taking. Anyway, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic of human behavior.
5: It is. And, and when you understand that that's the, per, the way the person is, you quit trying to change them, mm. and instead you start working with them.
0: Is there any downside to categorizing them? I mean, there's four different kind of models here. Don't don't some people fall somewhere in between two of them?
5: Sure. Certainly. A lot of people fall somewhere in between. And, you know, we have tools that get more specific than the four temperament profiles. Um, You know, when you... This is this is a tool for parents and teachers to, to use, and we use it with the kids. But we never identify the kid's temperament to mm. them. Yeah. Or, nor do I do that with adults.
0: Yeah. So you don't need you to sit down and say you are this.
5: No, and you particularly don't say you're Gregory the grumpy when you're mad at your kid. <laughs> you right. know, you just don't do that. Yeah. Instead, it's a tool to understand people, yeah. and perhaps for adults to talk about the child. But it's never forced on the child.
0: Right. Well, and and then what it does, though, is it seems like it helps you calculate a better response that will actually fit their type. And so it sets you up to be able to relate with them better. Right. Yeah. Is it, um, and I know you've done research on it as well. What are are you finding out as far as the success it creates?
5: Well, we've actually done um, three randomized clinical trials Hmm. in public schools. And what we found out is that insights can not only improve children's social-emotional skills, like getting along and uh, attending to their work, but it also helps in their um, academic – so their academic skills go up. Really? Based on having participated in insights. Yeah.
0: Well I can see that it's it's a great tool for for the teacher for example to learn and then be able to sit down when they do have a disciplinary trouble or trial or issue with their with a child when the parents come in to kind of coach them through what you've learned and what you're seeing right
5: Right. And at the same time, parents are often advocates for their own child. Yeah. They know that child in a, in, a, in a different way, and they can perhaps share with teachers strategies that work, and if nothing else, collaborate on strategies that they uh, devise with the, parent, uh, with the teachers.
0: Yeah. I mean, then you're finally working as a pair. That's one of the things I found just kind of in, in any organization or any type of uh, you know, area of intervention. We have to have the same language. And if you right. sit there and if if you sit there and, and just without this language of knowing that some people are just more cautious or some people are just more you know friendly, um, we might throw out other words like your hus- your your son's just annoying. Your son right. is just he's just into everybody's business. He's too talkative. And um, or this
5: is just. A difficult child. Yeah, well, exactly. Not necessarily,
0: right? Well, and then, then you can only bet that the parents going to just basically say, "Game on, let's fight," then and then they're gonna then uh-huh. you're going then you're arguing about, you know, a, a name instead of arguing instead of actually talking and relating to the behavior.
5: Well, that's what we also teach about um, counterproductive responses that just make the situation work worse with these kids. You have to learn to respond in a way that brings them along with
0: you. Do you um, do you so in, on insightsintervention dot com? Do you how how would a parent go about? Is there an assessment they could take? How would they go there about doing this?
5: Yeah, there's an assessment um, right on the website, um, and then there's a parenting book and also a teacher book.
0: Great! So they could actually sit down. I know you have videos as well. They can watch some videos.
5: Well, the video, there's lots of videos and only a couple are on the uh, website, but the ones that are there will help parents and teachers recognize kids' temperaments.
0: Hmm. Well, I think it's a, you know, it's, it's powerful. I think knowledge is power, right? So the, it sure is. the, the more this helps, is there, um, is there, I guess, as they get older, do, the, do you notice that these types change? Does, does a child's temperament evolve?
5: Well, you know, there's a real difference between bad behavior and um, somebody's temperament challenges. Yeah. So, um, you know, hitting another kid is bad behavior no matter what temperament you have. Right, exactly. So the temperament types, they can... You know, they can evolve to become more so. Like, you can get a child who's so perfectionist, perfectionistic that, that she's absolutely stuck, or you can get a cautious child that is so withdrawn that they do become anxious. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, you can help them with the strategies that enable them to um, handle situations that, because of their temperament, is more challenging.
0: You bet. I mean, I guess that's so the key, you can huh?
5: Stretch you can stretch down uh, their tendencies.
0: Yeah, and, and, and giving tools, solutions. And again, I see that in my own coaching practice. I can't tell you how many times I'd have somebody come in that really was pretty much just a cautious Coretta and, mm-hmm. um, or a high-sensitive is what we call it in my business. And right. um, yet yeah, they've never known that. They've actually always known that they were sensitive, but they never knew how big of an impact it was having, let alone they didn't have tools for what to do with it. And nor it,
5: recognize the strengths of it. Also. Right,
0: right. And then yeah, yeah. exactly, because there's always the strength side of it. And then all of a sudden, when you just start pointing it out and, and framing it, not as it's kind of a neutral trait. it's positive or negative. It just depends right. on how you're running it. And all of a sudden they have this new insight. They even have a name for it. I mean, I just uh-huh. I spoke at a big group the other day and mentioned that I'm a highly sensitive person and. Basically, I think I had twenty or so people make requests about what that, more about that information about that, and I'm like, wow, people are just dying for information on their, on who they are, on their own temperament, and then solutions like you're talking about. They need some coaching. Right.
5: And kids can do that too. You bet. It's remarkable how young children can recognize their temperament. You bet. Without being coached into that, but just knowing how it is they react.
0: Yeah, I love it. I really do. I think. I think anything we can do to create more insight is is just more powerful. So we so appreciate you. Again, Dr. Sandy McClary, CEO of Insights Intervention and Professor of Applied Psychology and Teaching and Learning. Again, you can learn more from her book, Your Child's Unique Temperament, Insights and Strategies for Responsive Parenting, or visit her website, www.insightsintervention.com, for more information. We're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to go into the coaching corner. Going to give you a few of my own ideas for how we also can um, understand better our children, maybe move them towards healthier, happier goals. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. That's the hoedown music, meaning we're about to have a hoedown, or the Coach's Corner. Hey, so uh, here's the deal. I have spent about 20-something years of my life. I mean, I know I sound young, but apparently I'm pretty old, according to James. Uh, But in all my life, I've spent a lot of time training, coaching, working with people, doing what we can to help create... A better life, right? And uh, as we just talked um, about our, our temperaments, I, I can't tell you how many times somebody will come into my office and talk to me about something that they just found out about themselves that they have they've kind of known their whole life, but now they're going to start dealing with it. For example, um, had a couple come in, and the husband just can't focus. He can't get a job. He has tried and tried. Uh, Four different, you know, kind of career areas. Nothing seems to be going right. Um, he never finishes anything, his wife would say. Yeah. <laughs> Terry just perked his head up. Like, holy cow, did my wife call him? But in the end, what happened is, um, so I just say, well, man, a lot of that just sounds like ADD, attention deficit disorder. D- have you ever been diagnosed with ADD? And the person's like, oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I got it. And I'm like, you've known your whole life that you've had. Oh yeah. I, I was diagnosed when I was a kid. I was on medicine and da, 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 Are you doing anything about it now? Oh no, no, no. So, you know, you have ADD. You used to take the medicine. It used to help you. You no longer take the medicine and you no longer do anything else to actually focus on your ADD. And yet your marriage and your life is falling apart. And they're like, ah, yeah. And you just want to grab them by the neck. Just start shaking them. Why are they talking to you? It sounds like the problem's simple. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? Hmm. I'm like, well, if you have ADD, you need to probably deal with your ADD. And they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I really need to. Okay. So, folks, everybody, every one of us has been handed a different spoonful of DNA. And you eventually have to figure out your spoonful. And as we were talking with our earlier guest, every child has a different temperament. Some are going to be more cautious. Some are more friendly. Some are so friendly, you can't make them be quiet. And some of them are, um, you know, perfectionists. and some of them are just seemingly more angry, but direct. We all have a really nice blend, a really nice mix of kind of the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And we can always, if we need to just blame our parents for that. The sad truth, though, is in the end, it's yours now, right? You're the one that has to carry it. You're the one that has to to get the results in your life. So we need to start figuring out who we are. If you know you can't focus, you don't have to go take medicine and pharmaceuticals in order to go focus. You don't have to do that. However, you do need to deal with the fact that you have ADD. If you have more anxiety than the person next to you, it doesn't mean you got to go take all these meds, but you do need to at least address your anxiety. For example, we had a guest on the show many a couple of years ago, probably two years ago, named Elaine Aaron, And I had already read a book, another book by um, called Quiet by Susan Cain, which is all about introverts. And I had spent my entire life basically believing like I was, you know, the friendly Freddie guy, friend of everybody. But what I realized is deep down as I studied it, I tend to kind of be an introvert. I like to be alone. One of my favorite moments in life is when I get in my car and I leave BYU and I drive to my, uh, my coaching business. I love that little half hour drive because no one talks to me. And if my phone rings, I don't always answer it because I just need time alone. And then I used to think that that, I was just like antisocial, but I wasn't. I'm just a little introverted. I also am on the radio, so that seems kind of contradictory, right? But once I started realizing this, and then we had Elaine Aaron on the show, and she talked about another part of it that's called highly sensitive person and the highly sensitive person is basically the one that tends to pick up more information they read people really well their their senses they hear the sounds they hear the fan turning on in the room they smell smells more keenly they they feel the temperature in the room and all of their senses are kind of heightened And it gives you a huge advantage. And I found out later, like literally three years ago probably, I had already kind of been going down this line, I found out I'm a highly sensitive as well. But I also realized that being highly sensitive also made me more exhausted with people. I'd sit in my living room and my wife would – we put a basketball standard for some odd reason, one of those little Nerf hoops. In our front walkway of our home, because we had hardwood floors. So I'd have my boys, and they're big boys, teenage boys, playing basketball in my front room. And after listening to it for about an hour, I'm ready to blow a gasket. And my wife's like, relax. We're just raising kids. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out why I always would need to kind of go away. Go away. Find your happy place. Find your happy place. But I found out I'm a, high, I'm a high sensitive. It doesn't mean I'm nice, just so you know. Sensitive doesn't mean I'm nice. It just means I pick up a lot of data. But I also have to figure out, and this is what I'm learning recently in my life, that I also need to have space and time to kind of process what I'm picking up. And I'm figuring out my code. But here I am, 45 years of age, or am I 46? 46 years of age? I'm 46. And I'm just barely figuring out my code. What if we could sit down with our children... And help him figure it out younger, which is what I'm finding out. I have a son that's a high-sensitive, and he loves music. By the way, one of the reasons a lot of high-sensitives can manage their emotion very easily with music. He loves music, but he doesn't. He gets stressed out by other things. So I'm trying to help my boy figure out his code. Can I just challenge everybody out there in listener land? Let's start figuring out our code, and let's start handing it down. How cool would that be if I could figure out that I'm a high sensitive or I could figure out that um, how I need uh, how I'm kind of introverted and I need breaks at times. And yet I I can also magnify my social skills and do a job like be on the radio or go speak to people. And yet I also know that I need time to prepare. And, and just kind of unwind before I do it. The more I learn this, I can hand it down, and then my kids can learn it. And as my kids learn it, then they can hand it down. And now we can start to maximize this DNA set that my family's been handed and we've been handing down. Everybody out there, some of you know, you know that if you don't exercise every day, you feel cruddy. I know that I can't eat after 8 o'clock. I know I shouldn't have caffeine after about five o'clock. Now, I learned that because I'd have a lot of caffeine after eight o'clock or nine o'clock and I wouldn't sleep. I know that there's certain things. I know I can't turn my phone on while I'm in bed, period, because if I do, that blue light keeps me awake and I will literally pass the point of being able to go to sleep. I have learned in my life how to clear my head when I can't stop thinking of ideas, I've learned how to clear it by just rushing, writing, and writing it all down on a piece of paper. I've learned that if I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea or in the morning, right when I wake up, if I don't write down all my ideas right when I wake up, I know that they're all going to be lost. And I know if I do write them down, I'm going to catch some pretty cool nuggets. Now, I've learned that by living. So have you. So, can I just give you a little assignment? I want you to go start figuring out, put it on your phone. And just put a, a simple little phrase on a note in, in your phone, my, um, my recipe, or you know, figuring me out, and then start identifying one by one the things you know you need to do. Not the things you keep sensing you need to do, but the true things that you know work every time you do them. And then let's just start making a list of what we know works, and let's start helping our children do the same thing. What if we could help them figure out what works for them? And then actually motivate him to do it. It's so powerful, and that's to me just learning. You don't even have to be perfect at it, but you you do need to figure yourself out. That is a fact, Jack. You okay, Terry?
3: Are you okay? Do you feel do you feel like you've got? It seems like you've gotten something off of your uh, yeah. your mind there, off yeah, your I did. chest a little I did. bit. Okay, that's, that's the coach's corner. That's what I do.
0: I just went all coaching on you. So have your boys stopped playing basketball in the house? Actually, I took the hoop down. All right. But you know what? And it's created a ton of peace. Do they understand that it's you, not them? Yeah. That's the problem? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, that's what we said. I and go because I it's go, your house,
3: you're fixing it by taking right. away their toy?
0: Well, they actually just moved the toy oh. to their room. If you want to well, go make noise, go upstairs and you know run all around and yeah. do what you got to do. Go nuts. Don't do it but down here. We can't do it here. And you know why else? Because, again, I still pick up all the scratches and the marks. I see the shoe print in the middle of the door. Come on. I just took care of it. And they still have their toys. Life is good. Folks, we've all got it. Go break your code. Go figure it out. And go hand it down. Start teaching your children more about your temperament. They're going to grow into being just you. Sorry. We're going to take a break, my friends. Hour number two, in the box. Putting a nice bow on it. We'll come back. Hour number three. Up next, this is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number three. Three for three. We have started three shows. We have finished two. We are going to do another show right now. Welcome to the program. This is the program where we give you the tools, the ideas. We give you the headlines, but we also try to take it a little bit deeper uh, so that we can figure out, you know, what it means to you. It's not enough to just hear a news story. Don't you want to know what's kind of on the other side and what you're supposed to do about it? One of the things that we have figured out is that Putin allegedly is worth $200 billion. According to a guy who was on CNN. According to a guy who was on CNN. Who has in-depth knowledge of their finances. Again, it's we want to be clear. It's it's allegedly he ha- is worth two hundred billion, which would make him the richest man in the world. This claim is from Bill Browder, CEO of Hermitage Capital Management. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't want to be on his bad list. No. Putin's bad list. Last guy may or may not have died of radioactive
3: poisoning yeah. in England. You get yeah no in, in, I mean, allegedly. And they and you know in Russia's like well we had nothing to do with that. And it's like well there's what? nobody just trips into.
0: Radioactive poisoning. Well, hello, Japan. Yeah. Just, There's fish coming from Japan all over the world. Now. Not, not at this level. This yes. level was the But he had another he had a type of poisoning, right? They detected a yes. certain type. Hey, uh, let me give you some headlines. Now, you know, in the third hour we, we kinda lighten the headlines a little bit. We lighten we lighten it a little bit because um you know, you've had a hard morning. But sad news. The Oscar Mayer mobile has crashed on a snow-covered Pennsylvania road. <sighs> An iconic Oscar Mayer Wienermobile has crashed into a pole. By the way, hot dog on a stick. Close, yeah. I just can't know my mind. Uh, the, the
3: fiberglass bun was <laughs> damaged in the accident. So. Officials
0: say the giant hot dog on wheels slid off the road and slammed into a pole Sunday. In Enola, near Harrisburg, no injuries were reported. They have a racing suspension on those. I doubt it. Take corners. It's a twenty-seven foot wiener mobile. Yeah, probably not. By the way, where do you take your wiener mobile? Well, there's multiple wiener mobiles. I know. So where do you take it to get fixed? See, Bob's Auto Body. You know. By the way, the, the snow back east is—it's it's taken a lot of. Do, uh, do you think it's considered a fleet vehicle? No, for Oscar Meyer. <laughs> it's probably, yeah, the, the Wiener Mobile fleet. They have them all over the country. Did you hear about uh, New Jersey? The snow plow was plowing along in New Jersey and it hit a sinkhole and disappeared. Just fell in? Yep. All right. And that's a big deal. Sinkholes are scary because yep, there's really are. no way to predict them. No. They just sort of happen. Well, I mean, like, so Larry, I don't know. I was following you. Where are you? <laughs> I'm back here, I swear. <laughs> I'm in a sinkhole. I mean, can you imagine falling into a sinkhole and, and you're now trapped in your truck in a sinkhole? Oh, man. In a snowplow, by the way, that you know weighs a ton. That's a big sinkhole. Anyway, so, you know, be careful. Watch out for your sinkholes. Um, what other headlines do we have?
3: The, the mayor of Boston has warned citizens to stop jumping off their houses into the snow. Wow. Because they're going to get hurt. People. It, it apparently is a trend, and you know, you put it on social media and check this out, and you dive into the snow. And so, knock so, it off, people. Stop jumping off your house.
0: <laughs> it, it, you know, that's, that just goes down into the file of things you never thought you'd have to report. Right. You, hey, you think hey, it's hey. sort of common
3: sense, but I mean, yeah. when you have 12 foot high snowdrifts, jump in. I did when I was a kid. We had a,
0: a time. Oh, yeah. Where there's some snow drift. Jumping We're off your house. Diving off our house. It was well, that's fun. You know, so again, if you're on the East Coast, watch out for sinkholes and don't jump off your roof. Little Caesar Pizza.
3: Yeah. They've announced a bacon wrapped deep dish pizza that they will have out fe- or, uh, February 23rd. Oh, why? They have the pizza, yeah. the deep dish pizza, mm-hmm. and their surrounding crust. The outside is all bacon. What? Oh, I know man.
2: they just keep upping their game. How about bacon? You know how Sean has kept uh, bringing in samples of new things yeah. for us to try. Do we need bacon pizza? Yeah. That's... You know, I think
0: Friday might be Sean's last day. Maybe we got to have Sean bring in the uh, bacon wrapped pizza as his last gift.
2: What a great way to start the morning to the show then a big slice of bacon a bit, wrapped. A
0: huge calorie
3: bomb in the morning. Ding dish pizza. There, there's apparently a, a, a chocolate cake out in the uh, office if you want to have that after the show.
0: Hey, um, They've offered me three have times. Have they really? Yeah. Oh, I want some. Here, here's something that I think you need to try with your son. Okay. Uh, did you hear about the woman? She's uh, a blogger, and she let her toddler dress her for a week. Mm. So for one straight week... She would let her child go into the closet and pick out whatever outfit. And this lady's a fashionista. She she has a blog. She has a blog. She's big into fashion. And she let her child pick her outfits. All right. And it's flat out hilarious. So if you loved your cute little toddler, how old is he, three? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he could
3: pick out your clothes. Oh, sure. But he'd probably do the same thing I do. There's a shirt. There's a
2: pair of pants. Go. That's true. Yeah, I feel like that's true for a lot of guys that there aren't very many options. It's like, yeah, all right, that pair of pants, that shirt. Okay. See,
0: like with this with this woman, he matched like a Mickey Mouse shirt with polka dot leggings. I guess he even one time gave her two shoes that were different. Okay. Wow. She had to wear two different shoes. That's By inspired. Way, and as a guy with plantar fasciitis, you yeah. don't mess with that. No. That's how you're gonna. That's how you're gonna lose a foot. Don't wear work boots. Don't wear work boots. Nothing with a steel toe. No, exactly.
3: I yeah. At least not. Don't wear the boots I had that caused my issue. Did you have a, a plantar issue? Did you? Yes. And then I stopped wearing them, and they were fine. You know
0: what I like to wear? My nurse shoes. Yes. I just wear my little nurse shoes, and everyone's like, "Whoa, those are are those nurse shoes? Are those... Are they like, are you a nurse?" And I'm like, "No, nurse? I'm a doctor." You get into the nursing supply shop to get those. <laughs> <Do> you <laughs> Do Have
3: any moles? I get can your check? scrub. <laughs> Another story. Yep. Pro gol- golfer Padraig Harrington. Mm. soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo, and actor Daniel Craig. Yeah. James Wand. They all use cryotherapy as part of their training regimen. Okay, tell me about this. I don't get Individuals this. expose themselves to, an ex- to extreme temperatures around negative 200 degrees. Why? It says it speeds up the body's recovery after intense training and promotes deeper sleep. It's called, they're calling it like legal doping. It's... Because it boosts your energy levels and makes you more alert also. So it helps you sleep, but makes you alert. It's called hypothermia. Right. It's not, it's not helping you sleep. It's killing you. They swear by it. There are shops opening up across the country that offer the service. You go in. It's like a spa type of situation. You go into a deep freezer. And, How cold would you like to be, Mr. Jones? Absolutely.
0: I'd like to be 200 degrees below zero. That's crazy. That seems... You you'd
2: totally have to fill out, like, a liability for... <laughs> Absolutely. It.
0: Okay, so if we do actually freeze you, we you are lose not liable
2: arm. for that arm. A
0: rugby team. They,
3: they, they, they followed the uh, rugby team who did it for an entire season, and all the players reported more energy. They reported they were able really? to recover faster. Now, th- that's not really scientific. It's well, based no. on their opinion, but yeah. they felt like it was doing something for
0: them. Well, wouldn't that be, then, the people in Alaska... You'd think they'd have a lot more energy, right? Get a lot more done because it's always cold. Maybe they eat well, too always. much well blubber.
3: Maybe, mm. they've maybe in, you they've have insulated
0: to. too much. That's it. Well, that's weird. Cryotherapy, huh?
3: Yeah. So maybe ask the Sports Nation guys. Yeah,
0: we're gonna ask them. Okay. So three minutes is all you get at two Th- hundred. That, 200 that degrees. was one.
3: Uh, pr- I imagine you have to build up to three minutes. Well, what do you wear? Just like your skivvies? What do you wear? The rugby team was in like speedos. What? And they had like a face mask on so they could they they weren't breathing the cold air but Yeah, you want to breathe semi air temperate, you know. Room you know? Temper- yeah. And and they had gloves on. Yeah, you don't want
2: to lose your digits.
3: Yeah, so but they're just standing in there like why I don't I don't quite grasp that concept so.
2: matt let's let's have you do that uh to energize yourself for the show one day. let's we'll see how it goes. You're I do report. it every day yeah. when it's I get here just, at six a m it's cold. it's about negative two hundred degrees Fahrenheit. It's probably negative one fifty somewhere same, around, there. but I
0: do walk in in a speedo <laughs> that's and gloves and an oxygen mask, so that's normal, yeah, yeah. Wow, we're going to ask maybe that's what they're going to put in that new building here at BYU as they're adding on to the sports arena to the Marriott Center the annex. The annex, maybe they're going to have a cryo uh for the basketball Maybe they're going to have a meat freezer. Okay. That would be fantastic. Just a walk big walk-in meat freezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. 200
3: below. Interesting. I remember doing that in elementary school. You'd rotate through all the classes, would go in and, yeah. and serve school lunch. You got to, and you'd make someone lock you in the freezer because yeah. it was cold. And then you'd punch the big red button and come running out. Wow. But you'd do it. And that's when you got arrested the first time? No, that's when I figured out the chocolate milk was in the
0: back of the freezer. <laughs> you just sit in there and drink chocolate milk. Right. Well, great news. Um, cryotherapy. Write that down. That's, a, that's one to keep on. Keep remembering. Hey, here's the question or a statement. Did you know that uh, we are at a record high of people never being married? Americans are choosing not to marry at higher and higher levels. Is that a healthy thing? Is that a good thing? We're going to be talking to BYU professor Brian Willoughby. He'll be joining us, walking us through the uh, the latest research on marriage. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back in just a few minutes. And we're back, folks. It's 19 after the hour. Uh, Today, we've been talking about a bunch of different subjects. Right now, I wanted to to get into a recent Pew Research poll that shows that the share of American adults who have never been married is at a record high. But why is that? You know, Pew Research suggests reasons such as low employment, the pursuit of education, changing ideals of American young adults. We're going to actually ask a pro who knows uh, why people are so hesitant to tie the knot today, Brigham Young University professor Brian Willoughby. He's been on the show many times before. He's an assistant professor in the School of Family Life and the director of the Relate Institute. You've got to go check that out. If you are in a relationship or on the verge of, like, if you're about to get married, go to BYU and just just do a Google search, BYU and the word relate, R-E-L-A-T-E, because there's a cool profile they can take. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Are you over that, Brian?
6: Yeah, I direct the Relate Institute here on campus. And, and like you said, we do have um, an assessment they can actually take that allows them to answer a bunch of questions about the relationship. And then it gives them a report saying, yeah. basically, here's where you're doing good. Here's where some areas work are, are not. And here's some places where you need to work.
0: And, and, yeah. and is it both parties in the relationship – Answer mm-hmm. it, and then it, you, you give specific feedback for what they should go work yeah, on. Yeah, you don't have to have your partner take it, but
6: you can. And if yeah. you do, then when you get that report back, it says, well, here's what you said about the yeah. relationship. Here's what your partner said about here's you you're in the relationship. Because yeah, we actually ask them, they say, okay, here's what you, here's a, answer about you, Yeah, answer about your partner, and then your partner does the same. So then you can say, That's well— cool. Hey, you said that you're a really kind person, but your partner says that maybe you're not as kind as right. you think you are. You're
0: kind of rude. Yeah. But it really is a powerful tool, and I've used it in my own profession just with clients. Go check this out to learn about yourself. Where do they go to get that? Um, they can go to www.relateinstitute.com. com. Okay, so this, the Pew study, uh, are, is it true then Americans today are not getting married as much as they used to in the past. Yep, that's true. People are
6: are, are waiting
0: to get married longer, okay. and the, the
6: percentage of, of the population that's not married has been increasing.
0: What's the deal? Did well, we turn them off? <laughs> <laughs>
6: there, there's actually a lot of factors that, yeah. that are going into this. Um, but but one of the big ones is is that that marriage is is just one thing now. It, it, the social norms around marriage have been really changing. It, yeah. it used to be this kind of thing that everyone did. That's just what you did. It right. Was what was expected of you, and, and now marriage is seen more as an option in life. It's, yeah. it's something that you could do if you wanted, but, but you it's don't not. Have it's to. not
0: needed. Yeah. It's interesting because it used to be the step. First comes love, then comes marriage, then a baby in a baby carriage. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just what I learned on the playground.
6: <laughs> yeah, and, and now it's more. It of doesn't a, have to be that well, order. first comes love. We still yeah. like the love. Yeah, love right. still we, first. For love comes first, and then if you want to, you can have the baby. Interesting. And maybe if it's in marriage, that's okay. But as long, whatever you want. That's right? It's so... that personal choice thing.
0: So, what's the average age then for a male and female to get married today? It's about twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did it? I mean, that—that's crazy. I was married at twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So are you telling me I missed eight great years of just...
6: Well, eight great years of what is the question, right? Because we we do know that the longer people wait to get married, the less likely they are to get a divorce. There's some stability that comes with that. But as they wait, particularly into their late 20s and early 30s, they're less likely to be happy.
0: Oh, really? So the older we are when we get married, the less likely we are to be happy being married. Yeah,
6: well, there's kind of a a U-shaped curve. If you get married as a teenager... You're at risk for an unhappy yeah. marriage, but if you wait, like I said, late twenties, early thirties, and beyond, there's a there's an increased risk of being unsatisfied in your
0: marriage. Well, it seems like the just the kind of the the logic is you've you're you're not maybe used to being with someone else. You're yeah. used to running your own show, it's your own life. You haven't had to pair up. Yeah, exactly. And be, can, yeah, be yeah a you've, pair.
6: you've had a long time. Usually, you're out of college, you're out of schooling, you've been in a career, been in a job. Like you said, you're used to being independent, and it, it's just harder. To to merge your life mm-hmm. with someone else at that point,
0: what is it? Is it just because there are new options? Is that the idea, or is it a generational thing? Is this like another, you know, bruise on the millennials' forehead? <laughs> I mean, what is it?
6: It it, it is a lot. The, the millennials and and how young adulthood is just perceived now, especially the the early twenties. Yeah, you know, it, it used to be that that's when you're an adult. You know, you can vote, you can drink, you can do right. all these adult things. Um, but now, most young adults in their early twenties are still saying, "I'm I'm finding out who I am. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I value. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with myself. I'm, I don't want to get married and 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 put myself down in one particular area. I, I want to travel isn't the world. I want to live.
0: Yeah, isn't that? But is it so because it's so weird, because we were sending you know in World War II, we were sending eighteen year olds to war, seventeen year olds to war, mm-hmm. and they kind of knew who they were, or they knew enough yeah. is it have we are we becoming less mature? is Is it how we're living now that we're not maturing early enough and knowing I mean I kind of knew i didn't know everything in life, but I knew I wanted to get married and have kids and have a life and move on. Is something changing?
6: well part of part of it is there is a new economic reality for yeah. a lot of people you know it used to be you could graduate from high school and if you didn't want to go to college, you could probably find a stable job and and kind of move on with life and and that's becoming less and less the case now, yeah. um even we know a lot of college graduates are having a hard time finding stable employment and so there there is more of a sense of college becoming more and more of a necessity for a lot of people at least some sort of post secondary education um and and then that because of that, there's also oftentimes a lot more connection with parents now. Parents right. are much more involved with their late teenagers and, mm. and early twenty year olds, and so that that dependency yeah. on family is much stronger than it used
0: to. Be. So it might be some of our parenting too. Then we've as we've maybe overprotected the millennials. We've told them they can succeed at everything, and yes. we've. Pretty much made sure it happened. <laughs> yes. And, and In fact,
6: I've done some actual research have on you? that of, of parents of young adults. And it's interesting when you ask the parents about marriage, um, they're sending very clear messages to the young adults about wait. Really? You know, a lot of them got married like you did yeah, you yeah. Know, in the early 21. 20s, mid-20s. And they're saying, you know what? It was hard. Yeah. And I want better for you. So wait. You know, Go to school. Have fun. Travel the world. Hang out with your friends. Delay things just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they still want them to get married. They still yeah. want their grandkids yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. But wait just a little bit and and the young that's adults are internalizing that message. In fact, a lot of parents even incentivize their kids. Say, hey, graduate college, wait till you're a little bit older and here's here's what I'll give you to do ah, that. I'll pay you. Yeah, if you I'll slow pay you.
4: Yep. Mm-hmm.
6: Oh,
0: that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe not. But I, it's really interesting how how parents influence. I have never I've never thought of that, but I could see like what's the hurry? What's the hurry? No big deal, just slow down. Mm-hmm. But there's also I wonder if you then pass the point of um, kind of prime, so you right. so then all of a sudden you've you've overshot it. You now have habits that are going to be harder to break. You're more of an independent right. versus an interdependent yeah. being.
6: Yeah, and you hit into what we call marriage markets, too. So okay. So a marriage market is basically who is available to me oh, that's true. that I can pick, right? Yeah. You go to the produce department at the grocery right. store, you get to pick everything. But you're, sometimes you go there, uh-huh. and you go there late at night, or some, and all the good fruit's picked over. Yeah, bruised. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> yeah, basic the idea, right? Yeah. It's if I wait too long, and this is actually becoming more and more of an issue for young adults that wait till their late 20s and early 30s. Yeah, who do you marry? Is they get it into a job they're working 60, 70 hours a week and they start complaining, where am I going to meet? I don't want to do the bar scene anymore. Right, yeah. I'm sick of that. Yeah. I go to work, I work all day, I come home, I eat, I have to exercise, that's true. I watch a TV show, and I want to go to bed. You know, that's one of the reasons why yeah. online dating Then you're in the routine.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now online dating yeah. kicks in.
6: Yeah, that, that becomes much more popular. But still, there's this issue of, of, of my, my marriage market, those people that are available to me is is, is a little bit limited.
0: So I guess as, as the marriage uh, age is increasing, is is it is it impacting the amount of children we have? The number of kids is that yep. going down?
6: Yep. You see those same trends. People are waiting longer to have kids. People are having fewer kids. Um, the fertility rate in the country has has been pretty stable, but that's that's mostly due to some you know Hispanic and, and other ethnic populations that are higher Mormons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that have higher fertility rates than others. But but yeah, those trends have been following the same lines.
0: Interesting. Is there a downside? I mean, to me, marriage is is it seems like an essential stabilizer of a culture and of community and of country mm-hmm. because it's you know it's how we hand down traditions it's how we stabilize we get jobs we get married we have families i guess if we're marrying later is it does it destabilize the country at all
6: the the destabilization i think really has to do with kids we we know that kids in particular Really thrive in stable environments, and mm-hmm. so anything that destabilizes a child where they're moving around a lot where they don't have two stable parents in the picture wh- whatever that looks like is is i think not a, a healthy thing for yeah. any kind of culture and so so this these marriage trends we're seeing become one part that that are part of that because people, even though they're waiting to have to get married and the age of having children is increasing. It's not necessarily going at the same pace. In, okay. in fact, we talk about a crossover effect that happened uh, several years ago where now the average age of first childbirth is younger than the average age of first marriage. Oh, and wow. the, the percent of people are having children outside of marriage has been increasing now. And so you're getting more and more kids that are born outside of marriage, which is generally going to be in a less stable type
0: of yeah, relationship. Right. That's Oh, it's, it, isn't this weird? I mean, for you, a researcher, this has got to be – I mean, you're, you're actually living in the major a major bubble right now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're seeing something that people for generations didn't see. Right. Nobody yeah. else in your department that's been there 20 years probably saw these
6: numbers. Right. Well, and, and the other really interesting that's happening, back to the, the kind of norm thing, is it whatever point of history you look at, there was always kind of this is what you do. Yeah. What's really happening in the last couple generations, especially with millennials, is because the world has gotten so global, because of technology – really one of the big things that's happened is the norms are going away. Yeah. There, there's not one You don't one have to thing, go to school. Yeah, there's not one thing you're supposed to be doing. And so that's made it really hard to study this stuff. Oh, that's true. Because there's just so much variability. There's yeah, just now you've so got, many options.
0: Yeah, so I guess, yeah, how do you qualify 5,000 options right. to even study it? Yeah. Oh, Brian, you're going to earn your tenure, <laughs> my friend. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Brian Willoughby and continue discussing uh, these marriage rates. Interesting, interesting news. Stick with us, my friends. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house is Professor Brian Willoughby. He is an assistant professor in the School of Family Life and the director of the Relate Institute, which is a non profit organization dedicated to studying and improving romantic relationships. And uh, Dr. Willoughby, is, we asked him to look at a Pew study that came out that basically is talking about how people are not marrying at higher levels than ever before. It used to be that ninety percent of the world population would get married. Yep. What is yep. it now? Do you know in the world?
6: Uh, well, it, it went down a to eighty percent. Yeah,
0: it depends on which ages you're looking
6: okay. at. It depends okay. on where, and you are starting to get a lot more variation across the world. There's a lot of um, parts of the world that are still very religious yeah. cultures where right. you used to get a much higher percent. A lot of a lot of places, particularly in Europe and parts of Asia, where that rate's been. Very much going down as they become much more of a secular
0: society. So any other things we need to worry about when it comes to marriage? I mean, I guess some of this is financial. Do you you believe that – was it like just the collapse of the economy that created the air bubble that then we're riding on now? Is this just a byproduct of the fact that there weren't jobs? There wasn't progress? I mean, what was it? Was there a moment that got the air into
6: this (laughs) – here, here, here's the funny thing. Yeah. So when I go to, when I go do research conferences and talk to other top scholars and young adults in particular, yeah, they like to point the finger at one group. It's the baby boomers. Really? So, so let me explain yeah. why. So yeah. what, what happened? Here's what we think is the biggest driver to a lot of this stuff: the baby boomer generation. You know, grew up with depression. air parents. They grew up in small homes. Yeah. Very frugal parents, saved, didn't eat out a lot, didn't right. take a lot of vacations. And those baby boomer parents said, my kids are going to be different. My kids are going to have right. all these things that yeah. I didn't have growing up. So this this is the Gen Y. This is the millennials yeah. that grew up with these baby boomer parents. And they grew up in these homes in the 80s and 90s. During a very unique economic time when their parents could give them all this stuff. Fat and happy. Yep. we give them cars when they turn 16. Right. We can take vacations. We can eat out. We can have all this stuff. And now this millennial generation that's growing up and in becoming young adults, they're not saying, I want my kids to have all this extra stuff I didn't. They're saying, I want to have the same stuff. Yeah. My kids are going to have the same thing I want. I want the same standard of living. But the recession happened.
0: That's true. Wages
6: have been going down. Yeah. The employment rate's been going up. Unemployment rate has been going up, and so they're saying, "Well, I want all this stuff that I had growing up, but it's taking me longer to get there. Yeah, I need to wait till I get through college, grad school. I need to get my get job. I need to save. I need to get all this other stuff done so that I can have all this stuff that my kids can have."
0: Interesting, but I mean, really, that when you think about it, uh, a paradigm of an entire generation. I mean, it could it could mm-hmm. seriously impact. A marriage rate, like I mean, but that makes sense. Yeah, because because that's
6: what we internalize. We, we yeah. look at, and it's it's not just the paradigm of a culture. It's it's everything. It's TV, it's uh-huh. movies, it's knowledge, all these messages. You know, just look back in the '90s to Friends, right? Oh, yeah, right. And look at the messages there being sent about yeah. marriage Five, and when friends, you get married, never getting married, living yeah.
0: together. All those things. That's what we internalize is these messages that our culture gives us. That's interesting. I, I mean, I even know, like in in like the LDS Church, we we were really strong about teaching our kids to to date in groups. And I sit there and I wonder, I mean it's safe. It's safer to date in a group, but then I think, do any of these kids know how to date? <laughs> like do any of them have the skills to actually deliver it? When I was growing up, I wanted to be alone with a girl. Right. Call me creepy. But I wanted to be I wanted to be alone for a date. But my kids are they're all happy just hanging out with twenty people. Yeah. And I so they're actually all kind of they're courting each other in groups of twenty. Yeah. And then I'm like, you're not even skilled. You guys yeah. don't even know how to close the deal here. Yeah. And, and and we do that because it's less stressful.
6: It's a lot less stressful yeah, being for in sure. a group. You never have to yeah. perform. And I don't have to I don't have to be on a one-on-one situation. I don't have to worry about if things get awkward with you, I can just go move ten feet to
0: the left, and hang out with this <laughs> next group over the here. next guy. Yeah. It's less That's stressful. Interesting. Yeah. But I guess it too it also so it doesn't demand you growing So I guess eventually, too, I guess we just need to help kids understand they got to grow. I guess if we're pro-marriage – Push marriage. Talk to our kids about marriage. Right. Educate them.
6: Yeah, like like I was saying before, parents have a huge impact. Yeah. on their kids, the the messages they send, whether it's how they actually talk about marriage or or even how they act. I mean, that's a big one too. Oh, yeah. How do I act? And in what does my their marriage? marriage look like? Right? Yeah, what does my marriage look like? What is that message sent to my kids about marriage and how you treat someone? There's a lot of young adults that I talk to that talk about. You know what? I'm, I'm not too big on this marriage thing because yeah. I grew up My in a really bad messed. marriage. No, totally. Dad, why would I want to be in yeah, that right. kind of relationship?
0: Well, and especially when it's more fun to just hang. Exactly, yeah. And there's no... Ex- I mean, I think what's eventually going to happen is huge groups of people are just going to go live in big communes. Yeah. <laughs> well,
6: actually, what I think is going to happen is, is and we're going this way already, marriage will be in the minority. It'll be this weird thing that some people groups, certain, really? certain religious and cultural groups yeah. do. Um, but I think it will eventually be the minority for most people,
0: and then they'll just—if they want a child—they'll just have it out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people will, do that. and like you know, let a village raise the child. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it's—it's <laughs> it, it's, again Gosh. back to that stability issue. It's yeah. It's,
6: it's fairly unstable, and it kind of depends a lot. You know, Living together with someone in this country looks very different than other parts of the world. Um, cohabitation in, in parts of you know, Sweden and Norway are, are pretty stable. They're yeah. not, not that way in the United States.
0: So, so, so if somebody says, yeah, well, you know, cohabitating and being married, it's the same thing. Not in this country. Not in the US. No, nope,
6: nope, not in this country at all. And, and part of yeah. that is we still really value marriage in this country. Yeah, um, you know, the, there, there is this idea that people don't like marriage, they're devaluing, and that's not really the case. E- even most people are living together, they wanna to get married eventually. Uh-huh. Not necessarily the person they're living with. Right, right. But eventually I wanna get married, and so most cohabitating relationships are very unstable. Very few of them, in fact, less, less than a quarter of them last more than five or so years.
0: Yeah, so to have a child in a less stable relationship, increasing the likelihood of other problems. right? Which I guess would then perpetuate more of the same paradigm.
6: In fact, a lot of my colleagues, um, for years, the thing that people in my field have been really harping on is divorce. You know, that's what we need to work on. That's what we need to fix. That's what's really hurting kids. And there's been a shift in the last five or so years. A lot of those scholars have have said, well, not that divorce is not a a thing we need to keep talking about. But the biggest issue right now in this country is unwed um, cohabitors having children. That's the most destabilizing that's, thing because we're yeah. seeing more and more collaborators have kids. And then perpetuates more and yeah. more yeah. That's and more. That's the biggest family issue we have in this country. Wow.
0: Okay, Brian, we've got to have you back on. Will you just yeah. keep coming over? I mean, I know you've got sure. nothing going on right now. Okay. I just try. keep, you, keep just, you occupied. I think you totally could. Uh, Brian Willoughby's his name. He's a professor here at Brigham Young University. But if you go to the website, what is it? Uh, Relate Institute. Relateinstitute.com relateinstitute.com go take those assessments are they free they're not free but they're but they're, I mean, worth but they're intense it's it a is, lot of questions yeah, it is cheaper than therapy it totally is and it'll coach you and give you direction and then even things to go read and study and look at yeah, it gives you discussion questions to talk about gives you some some information to talk about with your partner Brian Willoughby you did it you're the man thanks, thanks we're, James by, by the way right here he's gonna go get married soon good life's good life's good it's working on the Matt Townsend Show we're getting them married one couple at a time We'll take a break when we come back. We're going to go talk to the guys down in Studio Two uh, or Studio B about uh, BYU Sports Nation. Tons of fun. Up next, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are going to toss it down to our good buddies down there at Sports Nation. Uh, Spencer, Jerem, you there, guys?
7: We are here, Matt, and (laughs) we are so happy to be with you once again. Matthew! Here.
0: How are you doing, boys?
7: Fantastic. Just uh, getting ready for another rip-roaring show in Studio B.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rip-roaring.
7: How long has it been since you heard that?
0: You know, I think the 70s on Hee Haw. It was a great... (laughs) That was that was a great show, Rip Roaring. Uh, I hey, wish
7: I didn't know what that show was. You I... know, I
0: know. <laughs> it dates you. Hey, have you guys heard of cryotherapy?
7: Cryotherapy is that where they like freeze things? Yes, help you.
0: But have you heard what athletes are doing now? They go professional. Cristiano Ronaldo, he goes and sits for about three minutes in cryotherapy, which is about two hundred degrees below. Freezes himself basically for three minutes. And it supposedly makes him heal faster. He has more energy.
8: What in the world? Nuts. He's a a superhuman. I don't know that he needs that.
0: I know. Well, see, I think, you know what? I fall asleep like in the sauna. (laughs) Dude, what happens when you fall asleep in the cryotherapy chamber? (laughs)
8: You can't fall asleep in there,
7: man. Here's the thing. Cristiano Ronaldo makes, oh, I don't know, like $6 million every second or something like that. Yeah. How much is your average cryotherapy session?
0: I you know what it's probably I don't know but you know what you don't all you need is that big freezer like that they have at McDonald's
8: <laughs> yeah, you just get a friend that works at a fast food joint and you just go in there. Totally did That's that it. in high school. How long can we last in here? That's right. Totally.
0: And plus you can just eat. You could eat whatever food. Take a shake in there.
7: <laughs> Why am I healing faster?
0: <laughs> I don't buy it. I don't buy that you heal faster. It just seems crazy. It almost seems like Michael Jackson, let's go to an oxygen bar kind of thing.
7: It's just the next new thing. And if a superstar is like doing it, it has to be like the thing, right? Yeah.
0: Hey, but by the way, I did uh, reserve three beds in the cryo chamber for the three of us, if you guys are... Uh, the cryo
7: forward. chamber. Yeah. That sounds like something from a horror movie.
0: It's you know? down at the Canon Center. The Canon Center cryo chamber. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, it what's coming wonderful. up on your show today, guys?
7: Okay, so Elite.com and the sports producers there yeah. uh, released a very interesting Elite topic Daily. yesterday. com, thank you. Uh, talking about what if you could use your top five basketball players in program history and compete them against every other team using their top five. Oh, well, your interesting.
0: Rival oh, your yeah. rival. Okay, uh-huh. so just your yeah. rival.
7: So they brought up BYU and Utah. Yep. And it's like we're looking at the, the all-time top five, and that just sparked a debate. Like, who in the world would we put – in our individual all top five, if we could do that for BYU basketball.
0: Have you made the list? Are you going to give us the list on Jeremy the show? Jeremy
7: and I have made the lists.
0: You're not going to share it here, you are need, you? No,
8: you need to watch the show. Listen to the show.
0: Of course I, I listen every day when I'm in cryotherapy. <laughs> I don't blame you
8: if you don't. You do yeah, exactly. Cryotherapy. <laughs> you do your own three-hour show. Go, I, go home, take I
0: usually go take a nap. Okay, well, I, you're going to have to have Danny Ainge.
8: Yes. 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 I'll give cons- you that much. Danny there, Ainge there are, is in the There top are only five. two people... Who are consensus first-teamers.
0: Really? Danny's one of them.
8: Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the other should be obvious okay, as well.
0: Uh, well. yeah. Jimmer. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's Those it. Those okay. the only two I, okay. that are like we we automatically won't. in there. Okay. We won't go down your list. Did I make the list? You did not. Uh. No, but you can't. You
7: want us to tell you what EliteDaily.com listed?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us what they it's said.
7: Okay, so they had Jimmer, yep. Danny Ainge. Fred Roberts. Oh, wow. Okay. Good, good yeah. but not top yeah. five. Yeah. Brandon Davies. No. Wow. Come on. And Sean Bradley. Huh. In- interesting. Jeremy and I differ very much on the front line yeah. with, with the bigs. Did they say sure. that they
0: would beat the Utes?
7: Uh, I'm looking at the Utah all-time starting five. Tom Tom Chambers. And it would be very competitive. I mean, they have Andre Miller, Keith Van Horn, Tom Chambers. Andrew Bogut.
0: Oh,
8: wow. And then uh, some dude named Mike Newland who played from 68 to 71.
0: We yeah. don't know him. But, but, he's, but he's apparently a, he was really good. He's really good. Actually, he is in cryotherapy right now.
8: <laughs> <laughs> Ted Williams is probably actually in cryotherapy <laughs> Ted's
0: right he's sitting right next to Ted Williams. <laughs> wow, what a great show. Okay, so I'm going to listen, and then I'll, I'll give you some critique on that
7: tomorrow. Yeah, tweet it in. Tweet it in, Matt. Tweet Use it. The hashtag BYUSN.
0: You guys are the best. Have a great show. All right, good to talk to Thanks you. Thanks for joining us. Wow, that's a big deal. Um, Who would I put? I don't know. I mean, that's the Utes. That's a strong team. Bogut's Bogut's showing it up with the Warriors right now. Except he gets sick a lot. He's like you, James. He gets black lung? He gets black lung all Uh, the time. Yeah. (laughs) Again, uh, earlier, you may not have heard this. James is back on the show. We thought we lost him. We really thought – I thought we lost you because you just didn't show up yesterday. You sent an email. You, you got a, a horrible case of Gombo black lung. Yep. Which the doctors later found was TB.
2: Well, it's still debatable that I, I haven't gotten the the doctor's report – full report yet. Okay. They
0: don't know whether it's TB or black lung. Well. So. Plenty of time. <laughs> Plenty of time. Um, well, I'm glad to have you back. Did you, by the way, listen to our earlier segment about wedding and people getting married? Yes, I, I did. I was I was sitting right here. Yeah. Oh, was that you? <laughs> anyway, that's um, the whole time that Dr. Willoughby's talking. I'm thinking of you and your girlfriend uh, McQuaigling. McQuaigling, yeah. How's that progressing? Oh, it's going really well. That's, Is it? Yeah. Do you feel like you're, you know, getting closer to putting a ring on it? Yeah, definitely getting closer. Uh, What's the, How does the song go? Uh, getting closer. To
2: putting a ring on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Yeah,
0: if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Because I'm afraid if you dilly-dally any longer, you might lose. No,
2: that's... A- actually, we, we spent the weekend with her parents and... Mm. Uh, they actually mentioned that. <laughs> Did they say that? Yeah. They were like, well, you just better hope that some other guy doesn't come along and puts a ring on it.
0: Now, I'm assuming you're you're near the stage where you need to talk to her father. Yeah. And I wanted to give you some advice. Okay. Okay. What would you say? I'd say, father, I'd start like that because it's like- Mr. So-and-so. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Clarification. Um, Your daughter's really pretty. <laughs> Do I have nah, to use that voice? Don't do that. I would just say, look, I have searched high and low on this earth for the most incredible human being on earth. And I found it in your daughter. Wow. do you think that's powerful? Yeah,
2: that is powerful. I mean, did you not feel right there? Like, Would that work with her father? Or, um,
3: or like my father-in-law, would he'd see through that and know that it's you just making stuff up. He'd say you're a deadbeat. Right. <laughs> Move along. No, actually, my father-in-law said, please take her. Really? Get her out of my house. Interesting
0: yeah. story. My father-in-law, his, uh, my mother-in-law's parents were going out of the country to go serve an LDS mission. Mm-hmm. So my my wife's grandfather took my father-in-law aside and basically said, will you marry my daughter? And live in my house. And he's like, yeah. Great. Go ask her. (laughs) And then it was kind of shotgun, minus shotgun, and no one was pregnant. It was kind of an arranged situation. It was an arranged marriage. Yeah. Yeah. With with a house. Quite the dowry. But it was, yeah. And they had a house to kick it off, and it was great. So, anyway. Hey, uh, here's a news headline that I can't get out of my head. And... I don't know. I don't know that I want to make a big deal about it. But did you see this picture of Secretary uh, or of uh, the Vice President?
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Creep- creeping on somebody?
0: Yeah. Stephanie Carter, yeah. her husband, Ash Carter, was just sworn in, I guess, as the Secretary of Defense at the White House. But there's this really weird picture. By the way, and she fell. I, You can't win in these things because she actually slipped in the ice in D.C., turfed it right in front of the press corps. Oh. <laughs> tons of pictures and on a lighter note look at this video we got it's so sad yeah so she goes to watch her husband i guess be sworn in and she has the vice president who i'm assuming doesn't really know her that well i mean how well do you know the wife of the new secretary of state not not well enough to do what he did But he's got his hands on her shoulders you know and he's like whispering in her ear (laughs) yeah I don't know. I don't want to beat it is up. Is he a masseuse but, on the side?
3: Is that well? He or is, a masseur, he's or?
0: actually looking for some side business when his vice presidency is done. He's got his table and he's he'll travel. Is that how it works. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's just creepy. But he's he's a touchy guy. I think he's just affectionate that way. But I don't know. It just wasn't it President Bush who uh, came up behind. Angela yeah. Merkel and uh-huh. gave her a little that? shoulder thing. And, and your eye is just like, who's touching me? <laughs> He's touching me. And then if you remember the shots, the pictures that were taken, just a few after that, President Bush was like like relegated to stand by himself and nobody yeah. liked him anymore. It was sad. It's like a G7 meeting or G20 or. Yeah. Uh, it's tough stuff. Hey, uh, to wrap this bad boy up today, we always like to choose a hero of the day. And I've got a hero. Uh, Her name is Donna Davies. And Donna Davies was married to a guy named Sherm Davies. And how this all came to be, because we just talked about how fewer people are marrying. Donna Davies, when she graduated from high school that night, that same like weekend, uh, her husband to be Sherm proposed to her at after her high school graduation. Then the weirdest thing happened. He then got called and, on an LDS mission. They got married four months later after they proposed, and then about a month later, he went on an LDS mission for two years. She was married. He was gone for two years. Came back. Right when he arrives, his sister, Hans Sherm, A notice from the military that he's been enlisted and is now going away for another two years to Berlin. They ended up having a baby, uh, that fateful month uh, gap between the two. They ended up having a baby. And um, anyway, so for all these people that are out there thinking, wondering, should we get married? Why I'm bringing this up, because it all goes full circle to what you just said, James. My son-in-law, those are the grandparents of my son-in-law, and my son-in-law and my daughter now have running through, well, my son-in-law's genes has this Donna and Sherm love affair that for four years they couldn't have each other, but they gave each other up, stayed committed, but went on a mission, served their church, served their country, and those genes now run through my future grandchild. And I just want to thank all of the people out there that have been great role models for all of us when it comes to marriage, when it comes to healthier relationships. Thank you. Donna and Sherm, you're the heroes of the day. And uh, to my parents as well and to my in-laws, everybody that's influenced me and my marriages, thank you. Again, I'm very pro-marriage, healthy marriage, healthy relationships. That's what this world needs more of. Thanks for joining us. That's the show, my friends. Big Bo. Lots of love. We'll be back here tomorrow, three more hours, starting 9 o'clock Eastern time to noon Eastern time. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, we couldn't do it without you. So join us again tomorrow. And until then, stay cool. Be good.